0: Reveille, reveille, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip. This
1: is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
0: It's the 19th of May, 2021, and it is time, everybody, for a Wednesday edition of Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. This is your duo, uh, dynamic or otherwise, we're from CBS Sports. My name is Luke Thomas and on the gentleman on that side of the screen is the well, he's not really the king of Connecticut cuz that's cuz that's apathy, but he's definitely the crown prince. You're like one of those Saudi crown princes but this time not Saudi Arabia, I guess just Connecticut.
1: All right. I would have taken Connecticut's court jester, Luke, given that I come from the opposite uh, side of the traditional Connecticut tracks, but uh either way happy to be here on this hump day. Luke, you know what I had yesterday? A rarity. In Diarrhea? <laughs> well, actually, actually, <laughs> diet induced, indeed. Uh, look, I had a uh, an actual day off, and I mean, do you know how hard it is? Not a Sunday, right? You know, like not like a where you wake up late from covering fights the night before, but you still got to plan stuff for the week. No, an actual tell everyone else to f off. I'm going on a day-date with my wife. I'm going to my kids' track meet, taking the family out for dinner. One of them type of days off, Luke. It is refreshing and spectacular.
0: Your your sign today is just ridiculous. You are an absolute buffoon. But aside from that, what?
1: I think that's why, you know, that's why the Lord rested on the seventh day, Luke. We all need a good recharging once in a while, okay?
0: Yes, they certainly do. But I will say this. People don't realize this, like... No one needs to cry about us for the, what do you want to call it? The labor demands of our jobs. You know, we're not 12 year old kids in coal mines. Uh, it's not exactly the kind of work that we do, but I will say, here's one thing. If you want to work in this industry, boxing or MMA, doesn't matter. And in this case, both, you have to look in the mirror and be like, I'm going to give up most of my Saturdays <laughs> for the rest of my life. And with that's that, a Luke, real thing you have to do.
1: And with that, I'm going to give up my friend circle, which happened to me a long time ago. You know what I mean? I'm going to give up most things that would make me a regular person, right? Including, yes. you know, friends in your town that you would want to have over. No, there's none of that, Luke. You don't, you don't do that, all right?
0: The truth of having a great job, unless you're like Dana White or something, I, I don't know. But, like, for us, we have great jobs. We have terrible social lives. <laughs> <laughs> It's like our circle of friends is like two dudes, you and me, basically. That's yeah, really yeah. all the friends that we have. Yeah. We have pets to like emotionally cope with, and then lots of drugs.
1: Oh, well.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes,
1: yes, purposeful or otherwise. Yes, indeed. Yeah, exactly. But, uh,
0: I count alcohol as a drug though, so that's but, uh, like part yeah, of
1: caffeine system. too, Luke, which is why I'm using exactly. this fantastic mug that you can't purchase. But how good does this look in my hand? Wow.
0: You know what? You can purchase this one though if you want to go to store.show.com. I think that's what it is, or maybe it's show.store. I can never or store. I can never remember. Here it's store.store.show.com, and you can get this wonderful tumbler of which I've broken two. I should say, when I say me, I mean mostly my family. Yes. Broken two of these, but we have two more, so. You know, are you trying to say
1: because they're Latina and they're loud, is that why they broke it, or are we going to be a little bit more straight and narrow
0: here? Yeah, was that was just unnecessarily racist by I you. Know, I'd you say it because like, they tried to do dishes with wet hands, motherfucker. you like, you know, think... know,
1: my family's having a party outside because they're Latino, and I'm always like, look, please, please clean that up a little bit. <laughs> I, think I
0: don't know, know if I've ever said that, the uh, but they oh, definitely but did break two of these motherfuckers, I can tell you we that. We do
1: have a, uh, a merch update, Luke. Speaking of well, why did not you tell me about it? All creeds. I have talked to the merch man himself today, so here's the deal. Uh, the new site is ready for launch, and it has been. They are clearing up some final legal mumbo-jumbo that big corporations need to do. You don't need to care about that. I know you don't. But it's coming. It's We're like hours slash days away. I have seen the site. We're going to start with a the launch. There's a lot more new stuff that's going to be updated as the launch continues. Uh, it's fantastic, fresh, new merch. Some of the stuff you've seen on us in various episodes, some you haven't seen at all. And it's here. It's ready to go. International shipping, all that stuff we prepared you for. Yes, this is a little Chinese democracy like Gods and Roses. Where's that album? We've been telling you it's coming forever, right? It's coming, though, and we're coming, and we're ready. We want you to wear us on your skin, all right? Take a little bit of us home with you. It's coming. Get ready, all right? Put your cash together. Get a few shekels on the shelf, and let's go. Let's do this, Luke, okay?
0: All right, um... Okay, so we have a lot of show to get to today. We've got some big boxing news, something like that. Uh, A little more of 262 we never quite got to. Uh, Somehow he finds a way into the show. I don't know. uh, Brian loves him. Jake Paul, we'll be talking about him a little bit later. And then, of course, we do have to look forward to Bellator 259 as well as uh, UFC Fight Night Font vs. Garbrandt. One small note, BC, just prior to the show, Bellator announced not for Bellator 259 this Friday. But in June for Bellator's 260 and then 261, now they didn't say they were going to have a full arena at Mohegan, but they did say limited tickets would be available to fans. So they're going to stay at Mohegan Sun, I guess, BC for the time being, even UFC president Dana White saying they may take pay-per-views on the road depending on what opens up or whatever, but they're going to have most of their fight nights if not all of their fight nights at the apex because they didn't plan for the country to really be reopened in a way that they could explore until 2022. I suspect Bellator will be doing something kind of similar.
1: Uh, And I even think what Dana said is going to change soon because stuff's happening. And as long as stuff keeps happening in the good direction, Luke, which it feels like it is right today in Connecticut. I don't know if it's other states, too. I know I can have my mask off in most places. I mean, look, look, regardless, seriously, regardless of your political stance, your Fauci stance, all that bullshit. We as a as a community, whether we're just talking you and I and our MK audience and our staff and crew or us as humanity. We went through a lot of bullshit over the past year and a half. We lost some people we love and care about. But I really feel like the the it's not just light at the end of the tunnel. The door to the tunnel has been kicked open. Great news about Bellator coming back with fights. I know concert schedules are getting launched left and right. Uh, regular yep. life is back, and I'm I'm happy, Luke, that we made it through the fire together. Yeah,
0: I mean, not that. not not quite regular life because like I don't know what happened in Connecticut, but uh, in like major cities where I live, it's true. We lost 18 percent of our restaurants. They just couldn't make it. You know, yeah. so like. You know, a lot of people lost their lives. A lot of people lost their fucking business, their jobs, you know. Um, But to your point, cases are dropping everywhere here in D.C. They dropped the mask mandate on Monday. Everything, everything, including sports venues, the whole nine yards, bars, restaurants, blah, blah, blah. They opened completely June 11th. We had a report yesterday out of Texas when the governor lifted the mask mandate. There were some concerns about what might happen. But the reality is uh, what the researchers found was mask mandate no mask mandate people's behavior one way or the other didn't really change now the bad news was it didn't result in a short-term boost in employment but but the vaccines are working cases are dropping everywhere
1: but so look, it's coming.
0: It, it's it's this is good 2021 bc is going to be a much better year and it's going to be a
1: huge year for mk a huge year for fight sports but it's going to be a huge year for humanity i know we lost people we lost businesses but stuff's going to repopulate. We're going to be back at it. And uh, I'm excited, Luke. I'm, I'm really excited. So so great news there. I'm also excited, Luke, about the really good interviews that you and I have been putting out on MK lately. In fact, right now, sir. <laughs> People can check out my one-on-one with the Tartan Tornado, Josh Taylor, ahead of Saturday's must-see ESPN Junior Welterweight uh, Undisputed Championship out with Jose Ramirez. I also chatted with the great Chris Cyborg that I I really encourage people to check out. Always a a, a sweetheart, a genuine uh, person. And then, Luke, some people say I got the short end of the stick. Uh, You got the longer end is what they're saying. You talked with Valerie Lareda, uh, a rising Bellator (laughs) star. And Luke Thomas, I believe we have a clip to throw to about this.
0: Yeah, I guess we do. i Need luck on Friday, but I can't wait to see a fight. Thank okay, you fight. So okay, let's see. Much. It. There we go. Nice to see
1: you again. <laughs> oh god! Oh god! Oh my god!
0: You know what's so funny about this was I didn't even request this interview. Our producer got hit up by one of her people and was like, hey, I'm going to book it. One of you guys have to do it. And before I could even get to my phone to say yes or no, Brian's like, Luke's going to do that shit and he's going to love it. They waited for me to do anything. I didn't even see her on the screen because this is the Zoom screen. This is where my camera is. I have to kind of watch. But I guess I saluted her after she did that, which I didn't even know. Brian hit me up and then they made this. Well, look, I mean, first, Very of all, Very first of all,
1: I hear it's a great interview, all, all things considered. I'm going to listen to it. I hope everybody else does, too, on YouTube. I hear it's great. It's
0: actually it's actually like one of her better interviews, quite candidly. Right.
1: No, and, I, and you told me the subject matter, and it's intense. It's it's real. So that's great. It's real stuff. But she gave you the—she she sealed it. She sealed it with a kiss, and your reaction was like,
0: Sergeant, bro, Sergeant, I, Sergeant I, at I'm, I'm arms. Tra- bro, I didn't all see her. All three of them. I was, Sarge- I was trying salute. to keep it professional i was trying to keep a i mean professional. you were in full to...
1: mass salute luke but you know couldn't you have a better setup? you're the king of technology you buy all your own shit you you know you can put the playback screen next to the camera so it looks like you're looking at both right now Luke, i'm looking at both
0: yeah uh you're looking at both because you have the world's simplest equipment and i don't i have three different computer systems all working with two different camera systems it's a little bit more it's a little bit more you know Bells and whistles. Uh, and I just haven't taken the time to do it the way you're oh. talking about. Okay. But yes, those things are up on the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash morning combat. Seriously. at all, and all, uh, if you guys missed the Valerie Loretta interview, we talk about uh, the differences between taekwondo, taekwondo and Thai boxing for her. But more importantly, she talks about how it just came out of nowhere. Her grandfather died during the pandemic from COVID. And she talks about the story about not being able to say goodbye to him, uh, really, uh, in the hospital. It's terrible. Um, But, you know, what she's doing, pushing ahead. So uh, it's actually one of her better interviews, I would argue. And then, uh, as I understand it, Mr. Taylor had no love whatsoever for the YouTube boxers, huh? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, look, look, this fight Saturday is the antithesis of the YouTube movement. So uh, shout out to him. You know, two unbeatens, four titles at stake. We're going to get into that later in the week as well. But check out all that great content. Chris Cyborg saying she still catches up with Gina Carano now and then. So a little, little, little bit of interesting stuff there, Luke. But uh, that's all the bullshit I got. I'm ready for the show, all right?
0: All right. Well, uh, let's just remind folks, if you want to try Showtime, you can. Showtime.com for a 30-day free trial. Or we'll put up this URL right here. It's um, I think we have it. But it's uh, show.com, I believe, slash Bellator MMA. You can throw to that one. You can get uh, $4.99 a month for the first six months uh let's see uh m- the email morning combat at gmail.com is the place to get in stuff for today's it's probably a little, a little late now but today's fan submissions but certainly for friday's dead wrong you can get that in and uh bc anything i'm forgetting anything else of note
1: no that's about it luke i just want to say i love our viewers okay so we're back let's do it let's buckle in let's get ready okay hope everybody out there's doing well let's live our lives it's time luke i'm ready i'm all luke, right we're gonna i can't wait to go to miami with you luke i want to go to vegas yeah. with you for we Connor. should tell the
0: people we should tell them so showtime asked me when i was in mohegan sun for the the last bellator fight they're like do you even want to go to this main way thing and i told them, i was like look I'm, you're not gonna hurt my feelings if you don't pick me you know like y'all got a job to do i understand y'all want me to, to go down there and you know do my kind of thing uh because i figured that box, because of brian's involvement in boxing right he did the film for showtime for jim gray he's obviously got the whole thing with uh nbc sports he's gonna be a good fit no matter what i didn't know if you know yes mk can do just about anything but i didn't know if they would want to use me but they hit you know they hit me up yesterday and you and they said well, we want I you want MK.
1: As I reacted over text, they don't want you, Luke. You know, no, no disrespect. They want Morning Combat. Morning Combat. Yeah, I understand.
0: I understand. But like, yeah. Morning Combat is it is Brian Campbell. It is me. It's not a, a different version of ourselves. It's the version that happens when we come together, which is a slightly different thing. I understand, but it's it's built on authentically who we are. So they still want me to go, and I could use the money. <laughs> so so <laughs> I'm gonna cash that check, BC. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go to sunny Miami. It should be nice do you want to go to a little havana with me and we can eat some like authentic cuban yes, food i do i want to do it. I,
1: want, I want i want the full experience all right i'm ready all right we got dot cameras following look it's gonna be a big deal that uh connor probably three is good i mean all right let's go to the desert together Luke. we could hug our fans this is gonna be what a time to be alive what a time
0: all right well with that in mind we got some topics to get to so let's get to them now topic number one bc this is a big one A arbitrator, an American arbitrator, and by the way, we have found out that this is, in fact, legally binding. It's not a court order, but a court could enforce it such a way that there would be a distinction without really a difference. In any case, an arbitrator has ruled in favor of Deontay Wilder that Tyson Fury must face him again before September 15th. Now, they can pick the location, they can pick the date, as, as long as it's all within that parameter, they have some degree of flexibility. So Top Rank, who is in charge, essentially, of Tyson Fury, they have said, you know, what, we're not even going to pay Deontay Wilder to go away. We're just going to book that fight between Wilder and Fury 3. We'll do it somewhere in July, perhaps at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. We're not going to pay him to go away. Others still think that paying him to go away might be something in play. Alexander Usyk came out before the show and Uh, I guess had a message on social media wanting some cash, although he might end up getting an Anthony Joshua fight. Okay, BC, we gotta go to you first on this. I've set up the basic details here. This does seem like really big news. Now it's not necessarily all bad news, but it's not necessarily all good news. Give me your sense of how important this is and what's going to happen next.
1: First of all, this is so boxing. This is so boxing. I've been on this show every episode for the last three months being like, Fury Joshua is one of the biggest fights of our lifetime. I want it so badly, but I'm sick of waiting for all the details to get ironed out, all these false reports of we got a verbal agreement, but, you know, we still got to wait for the site money and both sides to sign. All this BS. I was like, make the fight. I think they came as close as they could come to making the fight And then this comes out of left field. So here's the crux of it in my eyes. And I don't know all the information because, one, I don't have a legal background, and, two, I don't have access to all these documents. But all along, we have heard Bob Arum, the co-promoter of Tyson Fury with Top Rank and and obviously the connection to ESPN, say, look, we've gone over the documents, and from our perspective, that third fight guaranteed between Fury and Wilder because Team Wilder waited too long to kick it in and because of the pandemic last year and all that – It's expired. They have no legal recourse. Everything's fine. So I can't figure out here, Luke, if this was a monster misstep from Aram, other co-promoter Frank Warren, from even the controversial Daniel Kinahan, who's an advisor to Fury through MTK Global, if this is a major fuck-up from them to not realize that that it wasn't 100% and that now that they're going to have to get burned for it, or if this is some kind of, like, Hail Mary in legality terms, that won for Wilder. And I know that, you know, the comments from Aram saying he was as shocked as he ever was that the Arbiter ruled in favor of Wilder. Well, you know, whoever's right, whoever's wrong, this is wild. I think there's there's actually more good news than people realize here, okay? Are we going to get Fury Joshua next? It doesn't look like it. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's some lamentable stuff there. You want both to be... Undefeated? Well, they're not undefeated. Joshua's already lost, so that's already out there. But you want both of them to be at the peak of their powers, bring all four belts in there. Heck, do it in England, which I've been saying forever, but Saudi Arabia came in because of the site fee and the pandemic and all that. But we may actually be okay in the meantime, because the one thing this has done has speeded up the process of getting through the hurdles that everyone involved will need to get through To actually make the fight they wanted to make, which was Fury Joshua. And let me explain this. You mentioned the potential of a step aside fee. And Frank Warren, Fury's promoter, came out, co promoter, came out and said, you know, we we don't want to pay Wilder more than 20 million. Well, then that didn't last long because Wilder's new trainer, former heavyweight Malik Scott, a guy who got knocked out by Wilder in the past, they're good friends. uh, He came out and said, look, Wilder's not taking step aside money from anybody. He wants Fury, he wants the fight and he's coming back for blood and he's coming back for vengeance uh, uh, you know and look to me i don't know i kind of like that narrative i kind of like the idea even though i want fury versus joshua more than anyone else does if you're telling me to get to that we're going to rush in wilder fury three with a wilder who's now had more than a year off is angry is coming back ready to attack and be volatile and has a chance to ruin this for everybody to me that's good theater give me wilder fury three and on the flip side if they're going to enforce this mandatory of where anthony joshua has to fight unbeaten alexander usik the former undisputed cruiserweight champion who finally made that big heavyweight step up against chisora and look good in a close fight and won it I kind of really love that fight too. If it all leads to an end game in which the winners of two fights fight each other for that undisputed championship, let's say early next year, then to me, that's a win, right? Because we're still going to find out what we want to find out. Who's the best heavyweight of them all? Can we get a one name, one champion, one division, undisputed dream? All of that's great. But I'm not, it's not lost on me, Luke, that A, this is still boxing, and this is embarrassing that we're going through the soap opera, and B – that perfect dream scenario I just saw, I just threw in there and said, well, it's not all that bad. Check this out. That could get screwed up too because this is boxing, right? At the end of the day, but yeah, look, I don't hate Fury Wilder three as much as everyone else. I think that's really my biggest point. It's embarrassing. It's a joke. It's it's so ridiculous, but we still may it still may be okay in the end, Luke. Okay, that that's really yeah, my it's, biggest. thing. it's
0: weird. On. It's like you ever had that friend, or maybe a relative, or maybe a significant other. Just somebody in your life who gave you gifts, who were perennially not listening to what you actually asked for when they asked you what you wanted for your birthday or for Christmas. Because you don't want to be a dick about it, right? They went through the whole process of trying to find something. They, they thought about it. They spent their hard-earned money. They presented it to you. Like, it's still a nice gesture no matter what. And hey, even if they didn't exactly give you what you asked for, sometimes they can give you something that's actually pretty cool you might find some use for. That's really what boxing is in my life. <laughs> Boxing is like the person who gives me gifts I didn't really ask for. And then the ones I did ask for, I don't really tend to get by and large. But I can't complain because doing that would be a spoiled thing to do. Like, You're right. Let's say Joshua ends up fighting Usyk. I don't think that will happen, but let's just say that he does. Is that the worst fight in the world? Far from it. Deontay Wilder 3 against Tyson Fury? Is that the fight that I want to see next? No, it's not the fight that I want to see next. Is it the worst in the world? No, because A... Your point is, no matter who wins among these four, the eventual winners will fight each other, and then that will be probably, assuming, well, the winners may end up fighting each other, and then that would tell us who the world's most dominant heavyweight is. Yes, yes. Yeah, I don't know exactly how it's all going to play out, but there's also some risk, dude. Like, what if, Wilder probably won't win. I would not bet on him to win, but dude, like, is it out of the question that a guy who was a historic puncher could cause an upset? No, it definitely is not. Uh, there, That's a real thing. On the other side, Usyk didn't exactly dazzle at heavyweight, but he dazzled a shitload at cruiserweight, and maybe a fight against Joshua, if they make it, um, he could play spoiler. You could get a lot of really topsy-turvy results here. So it's frustrating that they that the only thing I don't like, BC, it's not that we're getting what we're getting. The only thing I don't like is what you referred to at the beginning of your answer before, which is, how many months have we sat here and we've been performed on like chinese water torture of it's coming it's almost there F- fury joshua it's gonna be saudi arabia huge fight burst, and every week it's just one more battering you and you're like okay where is it and then all of a sudden yank dude i feel like something's a little off here and not not with not with um the arbitrator being paid off or so i don't mean that what i mean is do we really believe that Bob Arum had no idea the arbitrator was going to do this? I have a hard time believing that or that they made this grand announcement right before, not announcement, but a suggestion anyway, right before the arbitrator finally decided in Wilder's favor. Something seems off about it to me one way or the other, but I guess well, we're going to get what well, what the hell we're going to get. Look, history would tell you you're right
1: for assuming that because uh, there's been a lot of shenanigans and this type of stuff, so I wouldn't doubt it. But I guess, you know, to, to re-clarify or sum up my whole point is what we really want in this Renaissance era of of – I don't want to say historically great heavyweights because, again, they have to prove that by fighting each other. Fury looks like a historically great heavyweight to me. But, again, he's got to prove it by beating, you know, Joshua and really stamping that down. But at least we have fun guys who seemingly have wanted to fight each other and we have a structure in place that even though we can't get people like Crawford and Spence in the ring together – we have already gotten Wilder and Fury together in the ring twice, including one time when they were at completely polar opposite ends of the promotional and networks uh, scape. So that's all good news. What we want in this Renaissance era is for them to fight each other and do it often. So again, if the fallout of losing Fury AJ right now speeds up that process, and now we suddenly have two really interesting ma- matchups to get excited for rather than one, I'm into that. But we also do have to take into account in terms of the timing that it goes back to what we said to open the show. Like, the world's just starting to open up again in certain pockets. I know it's the numbers aren't great everywhere, but, uh, you know, we're starting now where Allegiant Stadium with 80,000 people is a possibility, right? Jerry World, where we just saw Canelo with 73,000, is a possibility. I would much rather see AJ versus uh, Fury, and this is no disrespect to Saudi Arabia, in a giant stadium like London's Wembley Stadium with a packed-to-the-gills emotional, crazy crowd rather than I would want to see them collect $150 million in the middle of the desert just to put the fight on under COVID, right? So it may all work out in the end, Luke, and maybe the opening up of the world will help this where we had to sit through this ridiculous delay because a, a fight that big, you're not going to put it on unless you can get a giant crowd or somebody giving you stupid money. It looked like they got close to somebody giving them stupid money. But now, look, at the end of the day, um, I just want to see great fights. It seems we're going to get that no matter what. And, Luke, I am really, seriously, not out on the idea that Deontay Wilder is a very serious live dog if they do end up speeding up a trilogy fight against Fury, like, July. Like, that's, like, right around the corner. Because, Luke... Wilder obviously has the outpunch of a lifetime where it doesn't matter how many mistakes he makes, he can win the fight. But this is kind of a perfect storm where he got embarrassed on a level we never could have imagined somebody that elite could. Not just that he was stopped in a one-sided fight in which his corner threw in the towel, but that there were so many excuses around it and everything Wilder said publicly made him look awful. That time away has to have rebuilt a, 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 a dangerous energy inside of him. Does it mean he took all that time and became a better boxer? We're not going to know until he gets in the ring. But he could really ruin everyone's plans in such a destructive way. And what's one thing you and I said immediately after the second Fury-Wilder fight? This whole idea that, look, it looks like Fury's the, the better fighter by far. I don't think we need a third fight. But if Wilder could decide, I'm not playing for 12 rounds. I'm not going to counterpunch. I'm going to attack this guy with everything I have and make it as dangerous a fight early as I can. That's insane theater. Uh, The videos I've seen, the language coming out of Malik Scott, his new trainer, that's telling me this is kind of in play. So storyline-wise, Luke, I love the idea of Wilder going after Retribution. This isn't a life-changing fight to Fury. For Fury, this would be a fight I would have to do if I'm him just to get the fight I actually want. There's danger in that, Luke, when you're not as dialed in in terms of, like, I need to get through this fight for all the right reasons. So I'm into that frickin' storyline. Believe me, dude. But we could sit here also and laugh at boxing for just being boxing. I mean, this is a joke. I mean, this, you're, this, you're,
0: I, I, you know, I, I admire your... This is why you're a boxing fan, because you have this sort of endless optimism about what it ultimately turns out. And sometimes it turns out just true beauty and joy. But I, what I mean to say is, it's funny. Like, in MMA, they can't make the big fights because there is a lot of injury or, um, you know, there's no, there's no co-promotion, right? You, that, it really usually prevents it. None of those things really exist in the same kind of way in boxing, but yet... Because the fighters there are so empowered and have so much control over their career, they find ways to insert clauses, whether they're rematch clauses or arbitration clauses or some kind of way to protect their interests. And it has a way of just delaying what you're actually looking for. It's kind of funny in that, in that regard. Listen, I think, I think your optimism could be... One, listen, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Your optimism, well, could be 100%, 100% on the money. Is it also possible, to be and I think you would agree with this, just as a you know rational observer? I don't know that this is the likeliest scenario, but it's worth thinking about the fact that Fury could go in there and stomp on him, and this was a giant waste of our time. Sure. Or Joshua could lose to Usyk, and then the whole shit gets turned upside down. Like it's just a dude. This was a weird <laughs> reorientation of the ship into new seas, and I don't know if they're choppy. I don't know if they're smooth. I don't know where it's headed but it's a new course to be sure. Buckle in is what I would say.
1: Yeah, and, and believe me, you have to lie to yourself and be an internal optimist to stay <laughs> to stay at this insane, and all us hardcores in boxing, we know this feeling. You gotta keep that up, you know, if you're gonna stay the course, because then when you get the fights, and they're amazing, and they change your life. I mean, look, I still think about Wilder Fury 1 in 2018 in Los Angeles, when I stood up at the end of the fight, and my pants were soaked, and not because I soiled myself, because I was sweating with so much drama and intensity. I mean, that that's, that's only what super heavyweight boxing could do at the highest level. Um, I mean, Fury Joshua would have Locked up the championships, though, Luke, in that two-fight series probably for over a year. So, again, optimism-wide, if we speed up the process and get the best to fight the best, maybe get Dillian White in there, I don't know. Worst-case scenario? (laughs) I mean, what is the worst-case scenario? Usyk upsets AJ and gets stuck in a rematch with him. Uh, Fury Wilder fight to another controversial draw. I mean, there's a lot of bad-case scenarios here, Luke. I'm not trying to be rosy tomorrow's on you completely, but, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess we're going to see. I guess we're going to see. Um, here's what I don't expect. Aram was trying to suggest that he could make Fury Wilder 3 in July, maybe August, and that they could do Fury Joshua 3, or sorry, what am I saying? Fury Joshua 1 uh, in November or December, even if... Even if Deontay loses again let's say he loses badly or quickly you know like no big deal do you really believe that Fury would fight twice that they could make those two fights in the same calendar year I'm not saying it's impossible but I do find that unlikely
1: as long as he doesn't take damage it's much more possible against Wilder and that's a great what if right because again Wilder could lose every second of the fight and still floor him or knock him out but I do think because it's Fury Luke I'd give this a much better chance because here is a guy, Luke, who let's not forget has been so up and down throughout his career in terms of putting forth the best version of himself. That's why between the first and second Wilder fights, I thought it was potentially dangerous for Fury, given his issues in the past with substance abuse, mental health issues, to take so much time off and build up with To you know, gimme comeback fights first. Because that's not, you know, like we've seen Fury play down to the level of his competition and come in fat many times. I think he's actually at his best when he's active. I mean, Conor McGregor's not too, you know, different in that regard when he's very active and tuned in and mentally focused. So in the end, Luke, knowing that these, look, the third Wilder fight and the potential of a first fight against AJ are two life-changing purses put together, right? I could see fury being dialed in for that in, in as long as he isn't hurt turning that around relatively quick. I don't fear that as much. I fear more for everyone involved that wilder is going to be so much more dangerous than they even realized with this much time off to be this angry.
0: I'm less convinced, but can't say you're wrong. Certainly cannot say you're wrong. I just don't know either. I guess we're going to have to see, but what a hell of a situation, Jesus Christ. So I mean, that's uh, any idea on, on when, like, is there a deadline? Oh, I guess there's no deadline. The only deadline is September 15th. Like, is there any other deadline they have to reach before to, like, what do you know about how quick, this is my question, how quickly can they make a Wilder Fury 3 fight?
1: Uh, you how know, quickly? we can go on the reporting of what's out there. Dan Raphael, who, who works for himself now with Fight Freaks Unite, his, his uh, subscription newsletter, I saw some reporting from him where he said even that September date from the Arbiter is still up for negotiation within all parties. So look, if you're if you're Fury and, and Frank Warren and Bob Arum, I think you still go down the road as much as you possibly can of what, what's Wilder's price? What could we possibly offer him? I think the problem here is that Fury versus AJ, originally, Luke, was gonna be a two-fight deal. So that was gonna lock them up. Well, we don't know within the grounds of that deal was that $150 million site fee from Saudi Arabia for two fights, for one fight. We're not, we know, we don't know all those details. If it's 150 million and they got a lot to work with here, I mean let's let's take that into account. Anthony Joshua got a sixty million dollar site fee guarantee for the Ruiz matchup, which was like stupid money. This is, you know, more than double that. Could they pay, could they, could does Deontay Wilder have a number? I mean, a stupid, life-changing number. You know, think 25-30 million, where he would step aside if contractually he was guaranteed to fight the winner this calendar year aj and fury couldn't have a rematch right it would have to be wilder next despite even what malik scott is saying publicly i do wonder you know everybody's got a price for the million dollar man does wilder have one i think that's the first course of duty or if not could you in some way negotiate that september date and push that out a bit maybe to like december and say okay we're going to give wilder his fight next but it's not going to get in the way of this super fight unless Fury would to lose, right? That, I mean, I wonder. And I know there's also the Usyk mandatory situation. A lot of people are going to get paid. If we're getting Fury, AJ, this calendar year, Luke, a lot of people are going to get rich because of it that aren't in that fight. So, uh, you know, it's a wait and see. It really is. It's a wait and see. We have we have no idea until the legal course takes its duty. But Luke, I don't know anything about law. I'm not sure you do. But I know there are people going, who cares what Wilder wants? Can't they just do this fight anyway and just pay the legal fees afterwards? Uh, no. I, I mean I would guess no Luke I would guess that they no would be- the
0: answer is no they could yeah. get a court to enforce it to the point where there could be like criminal sanctions involved now how serious are those I don't know but like yeah there is a way for, look yes there is a way for the American justice system to make this uh that to to reject it makes it more than it's worth you just kind of have to go along with it so <laughs> here we go here we go we're gonna see what happens Going to be amazing. Uh, All right. Topic number two. This is some stuff we did not get to on Monday. Some stuff that we need to revisit in light of what happened since that show. Now, of course, UFC 262 took place over the weekend. It was, by and large, uh, pretty interesting. One thing that we were wondering about on Monday's show, BC, was the future of Tony Ferguson. Now, I had said, um, you know, and I've been trying to not draw too many parallels To Tyron Woodley, and even after that loss, I tried to not draw too many, but I have to tell you now, the parallels are starting to get a little bit, uh, not ominous, but uh, too much in number to ignore. To wit, Ferguson put out a statement following Monday, or around Tuesday or so, saying he's not retiring, he's not going anywhere, and in fact, now he's pissed. This reminds me of the fuck it, let's do it kind of attitude that Woodley had prior to the or I should say just before the Vicente Luque fight oh you got nothing to lose everything to give blah 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 now Tony I think by the fan base and by UFC brass BC is more loved than Woodley was in either of those cases oh yeah but what did you make of him saying after three losses now he's pissed did you not get a little bit of that Woodley vibe from that
1: yeah I mean let me let's say what it is right I mean you know uh Tony's a little embarrassed, obviously, by this. And I don't think Tony's washed-washed or he couldn't handle himself against certain people. I think we just found out right now that whether it's the add-up of mileage and, and age and all that, whatever the equation is, he lost to three really good opponents in a row. As of right now, he is not an elite fighter, not in the title picture in my eyes. So if he wants to come back and just say, now I'm pissed or... Now I'm moving up to Welterweight, which some people said he should do, or now whatever. That's fine. But he's got a lot more, to your point, money in the bank with the UFC from the standpoint of having been a company man in certain lanes, having made quick turnarounds for them, having fought Gaethje that time when he was waiting out, holding out for Nurmagomedov. I mean, he's done things for them, Luke, that that I think will give him a longer leash. And I think unlike Woodley, who our problem was – more of his fighting spirit during those first three losses before the Luque loss. I know he let his hands go against Luke. He was reckless. It made, it, you know, I give him credit for having the balls. It made a, for a decently fun fight. I think Ferguson's a different type of age has caught up to him. I think he can still beat a large amount of people. And be, being that he's out, Luke, now of being a, for the moment, legitimate title contender... I think UFC should just go the direction of making fun fights with him. You don't have to tell him. You don't have to say, okay, you know, we're playing out the string, and your name now, you know, but his name still matters. He still makes fun fights. Put him in there with other fun aging fighters who he can win against. So I don't put a ton of stock into how he's framing this for his own good in terms of to mentally motivate himself, but I think he's in a much better spot than Woodley was because I think Woodley's issues were more, much more internal mentally where he just he couldn't pull the trigger and then once he made the decision to pull the trigger against Luke it was almost as if he didn't know who he was anymore in there Luke and it right. ended disastrously and for all you know for a lot of reasons Woodley should strongly consider never doing this again and I don't even know if he will I think for Ferguson though Luke there's still something there if he wants to you know play out the the end of his career
0: That's right um, but I don't I think that's I think everything you said is 99% correct 99.9% The one thing I would say, though, is you have to ask yourself a question about what it says that after three losses, one, a vicious beating, and then two, thorough losses where, you know, you got your limbs stretched in pretty dangerous and um, serious ways that, like, you're you're, being angry is understandable in those circumstances. And I also want to be clear, I've seen guys go through four fight losing streaks and then turn it all around. I do think, to your point, that where you're 100% correct is, you can absolutely put this guy in fun fights. I don't get the vibe that he can't will himself, even whatever demons he's struggling with, competitive or otherwise, that he can't get his hand raised in the UFC. I absolutely think that he can, under the right circumstances. Still BC. The one thing I go back to is, if if it just feels to me a little bit like if you're three losses into your career, which is something where it's never happened to you before, not even close, and that you're responding with these things of like anger and like, okay, now I'm going to fix it, there's something else internally wrong, maybe, and that maybe you're trying to do this to like, okay, I'm going to, now I'm really going to force my way yeah. into it. Whereas you're trying to repair something with bubble gum that cannot be repaired in that way. I don't know if that's true, but I can't say I don't. Feel that a little bit, hearing a reading. Yeah, but that, it's
1: not—it's not surprising. You ever play in a pickup basketball game against somebody who's a lot better than you, Luke? But maybe they're out of shape, or, or or they're still believing in their own legend, and it's not there anymore. And you score on them a few times, and then finally they slam the ball down, and they're like "fuck it." Now I'm getting. Now I'm serious. Now I'm playing for real. And you're like, "Where you been the last four or five points, bro? I've been playing for real this whole time." It's to talk himself into it. But you know, to your point, is there something hidden underneath? that's negative? Well, I think there always is for Tony, and I think that's what he's always fueled off of, you know? He's been through some shit in his life, and there to be a fighter that, that has that nasty of an edge, I think you have to have something wrong with you. No disrespect to the top fighters, but I mean, I think it's true. Rashad Evans has been very open about the healing he's went been through with psychedelic drugs that sort of healed the part that made him a great fighter, but that might not be useful in regular, everyday life. And I think, look, you remember Tony in that press conference, Luke, a couple of years ago? I believe, it was one of the Habib ones. I'm not sure if it was the one where he had the base in his hand but remember there was a somewhat good faith reporter who raised his hand for a question and he was like you know tony with everything you've been through with uh the fallout of the legal stuff with your family mm-hmm. and all the mental health that you you know came forth and said you know i just wanted to say that like you know i, I i'm proud of you and I, I thought that was important that you went public with it and i hope you're doing well and tony looked at the guy and was but like fuck, fuck you. you bro you know what i mean that's tony ferguson right so you know there is an aura that I think he needs to protect to preserve himself. And so I don't look too deeply into that comment is what I'm saying. Um, uh, Again, fun matches we can make with him. And I don't think he's I – I
0: I don't want to – yeah, I don't want to play armchair psychologist any more than I already have, and I probably have exceeded the limits of that even still. But to your, even your own analogy, BC, you're like, okay, you score four or five points on a guy. He's like, man, what the fuck? You, 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 you know, uh, did you have a brother? You had a sister growing up. Did you have a brother at all? I don't think you did. No, I,
1: you know, I wish I did, Luke. In some ways, I wonder if subconsciously I'm allowing you to fill that role.
0: Uh, maybe you are. I, I had an older brother, so, like, I understand yeah, the feeling dick. of, like, you know, he is a dick. Losing three four times in a row at chess or something. Be like, what the fuck, you know? Uh, but that's after three or four, like, you, you mentioned four or five points in a game what about like halfway through a season now you're pissed I guess the the point I'm trying to make is that feeling of like I got to get one back you you would imagine that would have been there a lot sooner like it just feels a little bit delayed and you're right I don't know what it means people internalize life's uh, you know difficulties and great moments all in different ways we need to see what happens the bottom line is I don't think he should be cut and I do think he can win the UFC again but I I, I kind of felt a, that was off a beat. There was there, it, Something didn't make sense about that to me, and I guess we'll have to see if that actually materializes in the real world. The other part, BC, from UFC 262, we didn't really get to. Jeez Louise, man. I don't even know what to say about this. But the, we, fans are angry, s- Luke.
1: the fans are angry, Luke. The Our listeners are ready to turn yeah? and walk away because of, we didn't mention Jacare losing a limb on the show. Sorry, you know, Monday shows are pretty packed, Luke, okay?
0: They're pretty packed. It's, it's hard to get to everything we probably should get to, so let's get to it now. Jacare Souza uh, against Andre Muniz. First time ever in his career, Jacare in MMA career, I should say, gets submitted, breaks his right arm, and it broke the humerus. I mean, it broke that son of a bitch clean. Now, he went through surgery. They, there was a debate between Mike Coppinger and Ariel Helwani on Twitter, like, what constitutes a successful surgery? When doctors say it, what they mean is, like, we were able to do the procedure we had set out to do without any medical complicating factors at this time. But, of course, you know, uh, Alex Smith had 17 successful surgeries, but they weren't successful because later on they had to go back and do them again. So, like, what this will mean for his career and his life long term, somewhat unknowable. It should be pointed out, BC, at the 2004 World Championships, I remember watching this. Jacare let Hadra Gracie break his arm and didn't tap so that he could still win on points, even though Gracie would get the, I think, the advantage for the attempted submission. Damn. He just let the fucking guy break it. And you can, there's video of it on YouTube. You can go see it. It's fucking insane. He didn't even blink when he got his other arm broken at 40 years of age. Holy shit. Jacare is another level of tough.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's an old school, you know, sort of badge of honor that 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 the Brazilian jiu-jitsu masters uh, have, you know, have been ingrained in them, and it's 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 otherworldly. It's just it's just weird to us civilians. But uh, Luke, I think the bigger story is he's forty-one and he's lost something like six of eight, and he's a submission expert who just got subbed for the first time. Right. These are all glaring, blinking signs that you know, okay, c- can you hang on and be competent against very low level, probably, but like. You may want to just pack up your legend and, and and go now right i mean because you're a legend we love you and that was tough to watch but that that was a giant sign that it, it's over luke i mean it, it's, it's yeah it's, it's really damn close you know yeah. what i mean i mean and,
0: we, we this is this is the way you should look at it and this is why tony's bad beating against justin complicates it but the fact that he had two losses afterwards which weren't great but they weren't the s- even close to the same kind of beating That's not what happened to, for example, Tyron. With his losses, they kind of escalated and got worse and worse and worse to the point where, obviously, uh, uh, Colby injures him and stops him, and then Luke just demolishes him. If it escalates in a direction, BC, where you're past, let's say, 36, 37, 38, 39 years old, here we have a 40-year-old, and you're not only on a losing streak, but over time, the losses are getting worse and worse, like Kevin Holland just fucking underneath knocking him out and now he's getting his arm broken you are headed in a direction of quite literally quality of life issues being added on at the end of your mma career it's time to call it a day
1: and look i get luke you and i saying that and specifically me because i come in the crosshairs of the and i understand this of the very serious mma fan who love you luke because you're the rare Non fighter who has had a little bit of fight experience and training, not fight, but you know, the fight game, uh, and and can speak very well to the breakdowns and machinations of what make this sport great technically. And I appreciate that. And I love being paired with you on that. But I think some, you know, there are people who are going to be like, this keyboard warrior BC who's tech currently right now in his own basement with a keyboard right in front of him, he's going to tell a man when to retire. No, the reality is we shouldn't. And I'm not a doctor or the promote, you know, or the head of the UFC saying this. I am a guy with a talk show, though. And and if you like MMA, you do frequent talk shows to hear the things that happen in MMA fleshed out and debated. So I took a lot of heat, Luke, from Monday's show of, you know, this really exposed BC as a filthy casual who only watched his first MMA fight, you know, last year for the first time, which is all a big joke. But, like, Luke, did I think the Chandler fight was stopped too early? No. And I said that. No, Chandler, look.
0: Dude, I'm Chandler so glad... Looked, BC, I'm so glad you brought that up. Someone DM'd me and go, how could you and BC say the stoppage was bad? I'm like, dude, where did we say that?
1: You know what I said? I said he looked concussed, and there were enough signs that gave the referee more than enough juice to say the fight was over. What I did say, though, was given his history of being in wars, Chandler, and given the fact that it was a title fight, Could it have gone on, right? Was it possibly a little bit too early? I didn't say at the end of the day, man, I got to wait till this guy's brain dead. I need to see more. No, that was one thing. Another thing of me arguing against Rogan's claim that rushing Barbosa is the best strategy. Yeah, if you're a wrestler or if you're an elite stick and mover, a super elite, or if you have a combination. Gaethje did it. Gacy did it he didn't wrestle yeah if you're a combination of chin and power which is what i said on monday then you can do that but if you are shane burgos who is really damn close to super elite in a lot of categories if you try to fight at range against a barboza and you don't have the biggest guns in the battle you're probably going to get stopped it's what happened at the end of the day all right i'm sorry guys i watched ufc's 4 5 6 and 7 and had pay-per-view parties at my house i've been an mma editor for national publications for 13 years i've been a writer for six or seven i mean okay you know I, do i know an arm bar from a uh from a uh, uh you know anything else i don't know you can argue that but uh this is an entertainment show about fight sports okay so if you don't like it and you want something else go find that other person all right you know what i'm saying or if you're they, bc Luke i only, didn't see
0: this were they challenging your ability to like they were saying you don't know shit about mma because i can vouch for you you know a shitload about mma
1: yeah, but I don't know anything I'm not a fighter, right? I'm a journalist But I'm a pundit I'm a personality Who are those motherfuckers
0: who But who video? are those motherfuckers That are saying that? Are they any better? They're not any better I don't
1: know I don't care I just wanted to put, out, put that out there And make a statement I, You know Should I have a spot in life To say somebody should retire? Not to their face Not in a legal setting But on my own damn show I'll say whatever the hell dude, I want yeah, Alright?
0: Yeah, exactly It's like if we can't say Dude, what do you want from this show? You want us to tell you how we feel? You can tell us how you feel About the way we feel That's that's a fair exchange, I think. But it's like, dude, understand something. Understand something. You as a media person, if you feel like somebody should retire, and when I say you feel like it, not like, you know, it's probably a good time, but like, wow, this guy's really getting fucked up out there. It's not only okay to say, it's the moral obligation. When (coughs) BJ Penn was getting fucked up out there, you had an obligation to say, dude, the UFC should not be in business with this guy. They should not. It is not in their interest, and it's sure as fuck not in his interest it is not okay you if you don't you are complicit and the ufc you don't have to worry about this so much but there's a lot of other promoters out there that'll put someone out in a state like texas that fucking barely reads any of the applications and they will put someone out there who should not be out there and they will risk serious fucking damage to them i've I've literally seen it with my own eyes yes you must you must if you feel a certain way say so bc we're not their parents we can't make them do anything and we're surely not trying to insult them we're trying in our best way possible to just explain dude this is a fucking dangerous game and if you're not really at the best state of your life to be doing it maybe you shouldn't be doing it it's not a crazy thing to say yeah
1: And we're all fans at the end of the day, okay? I'm a fan, yes. I also do journalism on the side. I'm a fan. This is entertainment. So enjoy it or go go to Canada. They got great shows
0: over there, right? Please. All right. Speaking of entertainment and nothing more than that, just total vacuity. Listen, I'm not even mad at these guys. I swear to God, I'm not even mad at these guys anymore. People like what they like. Jake Paul's been making me laugh, getting everyone mad at him in the way that he has. I legitimately enjoy it. This Logan and Mayweather thing, it's going to make a ton of money. Fine. People like what they like. But I got to tell you, I don't know that we should be talking about everything that Jake Paul says. BC disagrees, and I didn't have much of a better idea, so here we are. Okay, topic number three, BC. Jake Paul claims that he is not signed to Triller, which was not interesting to me. But this is slightly more interesting. That not only is he available to sign with UFC, but that there are ongoing talks with UFC management to see if there's some kind of an arrangement that can be worked out. We have a couple of quotes from him. Quote, look, there's conversations happening. I believe Kamaru's manager is already in talks with Dana, and I think that's all I can say. 100%, I'm down for all the smoke. I want all the smoke. Daniel Cormier, another example. Now, obviously not in an MMA fight, in a boxing fight, but whatever. I'm a free agent, he said. Look, I think that's the way it should be with, with all fighters. It just sucks to see these young kids, young, these young boxers, these young UFC champions get tied up into these contracts where they're owned by the promoter. They're owned by Dana White and they're not getting fair pay. They're not getting the fights they want. Now, this guy, to the extent that he is right in saying he's not signed a Triller, is benefiting from the fact BC, that, that by the time he got into the fight game, such as you want to call it that, uh, he was already popular. He could call a lot of his own shots. These guys coming out of the contender series, they don't really have that kind of opportunity. Neither here nor there. Your reaction to Jake Paul claiming he's a free agent. Big big news or not big news?
1: I think this is big news. You know, fourth wall removed. You and I had multiple sort of text exchange arguments about this. Here's why I think it's really big news. Because UFC has shown in the past... That they will get outside the lane of being the number—they're the number one fight promotion in the world. The best, typically, always face the best. They have an insane reputation. UFC rules, right? Big part of why I make money. I love it. They also are not afraid. In the past, see Kimbo Slice, see uh, C.M. Punk even James Tony to go a little bit outside the lane when it makes sense for money and entertainment. So what we know from, look, this was a surprise to me that Jake Paul is not locked down. Now, we're just going by his word here. You know, does triller argue and say, no, we've got some type of claim on your next fight? I would hope for their sakes they do because as Dana has said himself, there is money to be freaking made in however long this window lasts for Jake Paul boxing against celebrities, Retired MMA stars, whatever, active MMA stars, whatever you want to do. There is money to be made. Dana has admitted himself. What we know, though, from any sort of talking about whether they've ever talked, is that Ryan Kavanaugh of Triller did that interview. Uh, and said that, you know, Dana made a request on, on Jake Paul's availability to potentially do a fight. They asked Dana about it at the UFC 262 post-fight press conference. I'm sure you heard the sound. Dana went off and said, fuck those guys. They call me every day. I don't care. Stop asking me. I'm not going to answer their phone call. I don't care about Jake Paul. What they do is not what we do. What they do, you know what it is. It sucks. What we do, and, you know, to a, to a large degree, he's right. Do I think Dana is above this? No, Luke. And remember this thing they were going to do called Zufa boxing that never got off the ground? Why? Mm -hmm. Personally, I think Dana was a little bit naive to how boxing actually works and the reason why old-time gangsters like Bob Arum are still in power. And I I say gangster lightly. You get what I'm saying, though. Old-time promoters who have been through the wars, been through court, been through everything, they're still in power because it's a hard business to break into. You're telling me? That uh, if Jake Paul is truly a free agent and the hype that he creates, including stealing Mayweather's hat for a fight that he's technically not even a part of, that Dana would not entertain sitting down with him and going, all right, you want to do this? You want to box Usman? You want to box Cormier and play out these fake beefs in, in fights that will probably draw a lot of interest? How about we do it on UFC Fight Passed under the Zufa Boxing po- pay-per-view banner? I am sure, Luke, that is a possibility and in play. So Jake Paul making the first salvo of saying publicly, I'm a free agent, bro. To me, that's fairly big news, Luke. Do you think Dana would be willing to do this, given that it, it, it appears Jake Paul is going out of his way to, to get into beefs, real or fake, with legitimate, active, or just recently retired UFC big names? And we know that these UFC big names realize they can make a lot more money and become bigger stars boxing this YouTube clown than they can actually winning their own championship in their own profession. I, I just think that matches up too well for there's not to be a thing. Like there's probably conversations going on behind the scenes. Am I crazy, Luke?
0: I don't think you're crazy. I, I-, I still have mixed feelings about, to what extent I think this is authentic news. What I don't want this podcast to become, become, even in its frivolous state, which it can be some, sometimes, is Jake Paul says shit and we just react to it, whether it has any grounding in the real world. But, but true,
1: but no, hold on, time out. But do we? This is where MMA media is right now. If Dana says shit or if Connor says shit, we are there instantly. Front. Yeah, but that's news, that's right? ex- that's
0: precisely the problem. That's like that's like the shit I want to get away from. I, I want to get I want to get to a point where we're is, reacting Luke. to like real world events. Like baking in bad editorial habits that come from essentially websites that need that kind of traffic to fund their ad model, and we're just gonna take their best practices when we don't have any of those needs to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but those but we- but Luke,
1: those websites fuel the discussions on shows like this. so we have to understand the the life the the food chain and the life cycle of this. okay. okay?
0: I'll, I'll meet you here's what I'll do. I will meet you halfway because I was thinking about this, and I was like would dana do something in the way in which bc has suggested well he has been pretty adamant recently that that's something he's not at all interested in and um i saw did you see this bc i guess this guy who's the head of trailer ryan cavanaugh ryan yes. o Kavanaugh, whatever the fuck his name Kavanaugh, is
1: yeah
0: he bought or he promoted one of his tweets like you ever seen a tweet in your timeline it's like promoted and it's from you know whoever the fuck insurance or whatever it was one of his tweets at Dana White be, being like, Hey, Dana, release so-and-so. Why is so-and-so happening? Blah, blah. I was like, God, really, you've resorted to this? This is terribly sad and pathetic. But here's the thing. I lived through the time when Dana White was battling the IFLs and the elite XCs of the world, the Gary Shaws, the Scalas. And I remember the years he went on, years Uh, totally bashing Kimbo Slice or at least bashing the fascination around Kimbo Slice, however you want to frame it. And then when the guy became available and they thought they had a mechanism to make use of it, they did, and it worked out really well, at least for a short time. It created for season 10, the most watched season of The Ultimate Fighter ever. Uh, Kimbo went on TV after that a couple times, had great ratings, they eventually let him go, and he became the most popular fighter in Bellator history. That's a fact. No one is more popular than Kimbo Slice in the history of Bellator when it comes to television ratings. So, BC, like, do I think that, you know, if he really believes that there's a way to deliver this product without it undercutting the other product, which, as you know, they are very careful about, but if there's a way to, like, that's that was the beauty of the Ultimate Fighter, right? It was kind of separate from the UFC. You have to earn your stripes through that process. And if you were good enough, if you showed enough promise— because yes the winner got a contract but other fighters on the shows got contracts too then you could do it zufa boxing is arguably something distinct enough where they could still monetarily benefit without having to be like too tied into the jake paul game i do not think that that is necessarily crazy like i'll say about it i know it was a know.
1: different time in a different place but let's not forget that dana was going to box tito ortiz and the company was going to benefit from it also yep. Do you think Endeavor is looking to do anything but make money right now? Do they care? Yeah. No, the, no, this is celebrity boxing. It's not traditional. No one cares about that shit. I'm not saying Dana's going to do it. I'm saying I believe he's willing to have conversations because one thing he's smart about is he realizes this is a rocket ship, this Jake Paul business. It's not going to live forever. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it. Maybe, maybe that's why Dana came out so hard in, in his responses. Maybe he doesn't want us to think that this is something he would do. I think it is, Luke. I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying it, but, you know, I mean, look, it would blow up. It would blow up the story that Dana doesn't want out there, which is constantly out there, which is fighter pay, which is, you know, maybe Jake Paul stirring up the pot too much by constantly mm. calling that out. It would be a negative in that regard because it's basically saying – not only are you, you know, you're you're trying to dip your hand into the one outlet in which fighters can dip into to try to make more money they, than they can within your own league. But you know, uh, if you can't beat them, join them though,
0: Luke. Okay, so. let me stay with Triller before we move on to this other topic. I know we're taking a little bit of time today, but like I want I kind of want to get to this. So a few things. Triller's not their CEO, but the guy underneath him spoke to Aachen Barak the, the zone show and was saying, A, Mike Tyson can't fight anywhere else other than Triller, although Mike says he'll never fight with Triller. And then in the comments section, BC, you brought this up before, but in the comments section, Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated said, I had Roy Jones Jr. on my podcast two weeks ago, and he told me then he's suing Triller as, <laughs> as well. Dude, between that, those two things, and then you add in Dana blocking GSP from going with, de la Hoya there is an argument to make that what he wants to do is see Triller go away and then he might begin to cash in on what the leftovers are that he can make use of that's a little bit more in line with uh you know the comfort of his interests
1: it's interesting and that's why I think it was a worthy topic it's interesting but I do know that there are hardcores that have actually stayed through our rants in the last 20 minutes and are just like bro when are we getting back to the hardcore shit? Can you stop
0: All right, talking about it? right, let's get back to the months? hardcore shit if we can. Uh, UFC fight night, whatever number it is this weekend, Font versus Garbrandt. BC, if I had to ask you right now, as we speak, what are the odds for that main event, that bantamweight main event between Cody Garbrandt and Rob Font? Who's the favorite? Who's the underdog? We'll go by William Hill, of course, is uh, the ones who does it for CBS Sports.
1: I so I already know the answer to this. I was shocked that is it still what I what I saw Cody Garbrand is a sizable underdog here?
0: No. It is now a pickem. It is a flat pickem. 5 Dimes 110 110. Betway 110 110. Bookmaker 115 115. William Hill 110 110. It is dead fucking even. Does that make sense to you? Yes or no?
1: Um on paper when i first saw that garbrandt was an underdog i was very surprised because the knockout the one punch walk-off knockout that he had during the pandemic it seemed to announce he's back in so many ways and i know we never got to really let's say capitalize on that and find that out because uh you know his attempt to move down in weight which i thought was was ill-sighted never took place to, to fight for the flyweight title and he's never been back unless i'm missing something in my brain since then but you know this, this, maybe it's more to do with you know Rob Font is a lot better than I've ever given him credit for when you just look at the totality of the names in his three fight win streak, which includes you know Sergio Pettis and Marlon Moraes. So um, it's very interesting. Uh, does it suggest from a Vegas betting standpoint? And again, I do understand that a lot of this these lines have more to do with inciting uh, movement in a certain direction with money than always hard and fast. Here's go, who's going to win. It tells you they got legit fears about Cody's chin still, though, doesn't it, Luke?
0: And also what long COVID might have done to him. Again, I don't think he's going to be like, oh, round two, I can't breathe. I don't think it's going to be like that. But there might be some skepticism that is there, you know, when you really get pushed, are there lingering issues or? You know, um, if a guy like Rob Font can stick and move, does a guy like Cody get frustrated and then throw away all the stuff he's been learning? I'll tell you this much. If you look at the three losses that a guy like Rob Font has, so Asun Sal, which was 2018, that was his last loss, Pedro Munoz before that, 2017, and then Lineker before that. First of all, the only stoppage there is Pedro was the guillotine. He's got amazing guillotines. But he went the distance with Asun Sal and Lineker, and in Lineker, he showed a ridiculous chin. Now, you're going to need that against Cody Garbrandt. But in the last few fights, including against Marlon Morris, who we know has kind of fallen apart here in the last, you know, year or so, a couple of years, um, he just showed tremendous overall ability. He's always been a guy who was going to give the very elites a tough fight, but not going to get ahead. And now it appears at age 33, he really might be coming into his own. Better late than never, I always say. Most people do in, uh, as well. I would still slightly favor, I think, the athletic speed and explosion and power that Cody Garbrandt has. Remember, he's training with Ricardo Almeida and Mark Henry, in addition to all the other stuff from Team Alpha Male. So, like, he's with a great, great set of guys to get him ready. But, dude, Rob Font is the guy that everybody sleeps on. And then when you watch tape, you're like, uh, he's a little bit better than I thought. Totally, absolutely, 100% a winnable fight for him, even if I do think that Cody... You know, I, I, I'm not ready to just say, "Oh, he had COVID; he won't be the same anymore." Eh, I need to see that before I'm ready to commit.
1: Yeah, and and uh, I, I didn't want to forget that when I was breaking down the uh, the why all that fell apart. He had serious COVID, so there's a lot of questions to be answered. But I think even style wise, Luke, it's a hell of a fight, and maybe that's why you see the pickem at the end. I mean, this is a really good fight on paper. I'm really excited to see how it plays out. And Luke, there are some sneaky good storylines up and down this card, though. I mean, I think for a for a random fight night thrown in between, um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it.
0: I mean, there's a couple of really good ones. The Hermanson and Shabazian fight is huge. That fight is on there. Uh, Felicia Spencer is back. The big one uh, we talked about it before. Uh, Nan Young, or however you pronounce her name, again, I'm, I'm sure I'm fucking it up. Versus Carla Esparza in that co-main. Plus, dude, Bill Algeo is a very good fighter, taking on Ricardo Ramos, the dude who had a fantastic knockout a couple of years ago. Beast Boy, Chris Barnett. If you guys don't know who this is, Chris Barnett is a guy who, I mean, how long has he been fighting? His career is 21-6. and I have seen this dude on every Korean, small South Floridian show you can imagine. He made his debut in 2009. He's this big dude who looks stocky, looks a little fat, who is stupid athletic. I mean, he has all kinds of ability to do one handstands and backflips and splits and everything else. He's fighting in the UFC. He's going to make his debut against Ben Rothwell, BC. You got to love that fight.
1: Yeah, no, I do. I do. I'm interested in that one as well. Look, I I don't see it in our rundown, but I am interested in this whole Tatiana Suarez headline thing that came out. Are you into that?
0: Uh, Let's get to that in just a second. Let me talk real briefly, if we can, about Friday's show for Bellator, Cyborg versus Leslie Smith. We'll do that. Then we'll get to the Tatiana thing. This is what i've been saying this whole time bc now william hill doesn't have odds on this fight just yet but just looking at best fight odds which has a just you know adds them all up man you've got cyborg minus 1000 minus 1100 even fanduel has her at minus 12. they've got leslie smith at plus 700 in most places like i know leslie smith's been training hard she's a she's a pioneer in many ways she is talented but dude that's a that's just a fuck ton of firepower at 145 i I really don't know about her chances here.
1: I, well, I, I feel like this is going to be a, a, another Cyborg demolition. But one thing I did say, Luke, after Cyborg signed with Bellator, and just the reality of where she's at, she's 35 years old. I mean, you know, it's something in my interview with her this week that that, that I loved bringing up to her. is just like, I mean, you were in the pioneering women's MM, female MMA fight, you know, to the mainstreams against, against uh, uh, Gina Carano and – you're still the last one of that group who's act, not only active, but like thriving and a champion. One of these days, Luke, she's going to show up a little old and get in, and, 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 and there's going to be a hiccup. Will that major hiccup be a loss? I don't know. You know what I mean? But one of these days, it, you know, Father Time undefeated, all that BS we know. But when it happens and when it clicks, it seems to come on quick, so I don't think this is the fight. Uh, I mean, she demolished Leslie Smith in their catchweight fight the first time. I know it was in her home city, meaning Cyborg and Curitiba, and there was a lot of emotion involved in that. I'll give Leslie Smith credit for for bouncing back and rebuilding herself in Bellator after leaving UFC. You know, with some with some controversial things going on there. Luke, do you still do you know that in the UFC record book, this just changed within the past few weeks that Leslie Smith was the number one for strikes landed per minute in ufc history at 7.56 and that she has thus lost that top spot to daniel rodriguez do you care about that stat at all
0: i think that stat needs some work okay um okay in terms of how we interpret it and what it means minimum but
1: five I, fights in the octagon yes yeah but no, I mean they no. try to
0: find like baselines for which you can measure this it might they might need to do a little more who knows I, I it's a conversation for them I will say uh, this card has just got tons of gems up and down it. I don't yeah. know about the main event for me personally. I don't. I don't think it's that great. But uh, down the card, we talked about it before on Monday. Darren Caldwell versus Leandro Ego. I want to spend just a little bit of time if we can, BC. We interviewed him on that interview show. We had all the fighters come through. Austin Vanderford is taking on Fabian Edwards. If you don't know who that is, that's the brother of Leon Edwards. Uh, is he as good as his brother? I don't think so. But he's a tough out. And Austin Vanderford, I've been saying this, man. You watch this guy. Dude, he's got real championship potential. I'm not saying he's there yet, but every time I see him I'm like, this guy just keeps adding layers to his game. I mean, he won, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he win in the Contender Series and Daniel was like, "Eh, don't need him." I'm like, "Okay, well someone else is going to be wise enough to pick this dude up. He looks good."
1: What's more likely to happen, Luke, next? austin vanderford competing for and winning the bellator middleweight championship or him privately dming you the password to uh pagefanzant.com so you can get in subscription free
0: yeah not, not not my thing per se um and then of course your favorite fight bc valerie take it on hannah guy you size for that
1: uh, you know seriously all jokes
0: same management that. did you know that
1: Look, I did not but Loretta's career is you know she's a personality I mean she's a you know people flock to her so it is must see TV when she fights from the standpoint Luke of seeing is she the real deal she's shown flashes we haven't seen I don't think a complete you know complete thorough performance but it's so young in her life and in her fighting career that I do I don't know much about Hannah Guy but I do know that uh, it, it is worthwhile look shouldn't they put this on the I don't want to tell them how to book things shouldn't they put this on the main card hasn't Loretta exceeded the level of prelim card at this point
0: I think probably maybe the depending how she looks here, maybe the fight after this because this will be her fourth fight. You know, I've seen a lot of people in their third and fourth fight; they're not necessarily very good, or at least at a bare minimum, they're not nearly as good as they ultimately end up being. Um, even just a few fights later, they're still kind of in this transitory stage. So, like, I think Bellator's just like, look, we probably could put her on the main card and get better ratings or whatever, but um, let's just let her, you know, work on her craft. And we'll cash in when it's time to cash in. Because once you start elevating someone to a certain place, then the matchmaking expectations really become a little bit more aggressive. And if this is your fourth fight, and she's still tr- remember she's still transitioning from taekwondo, it just takes a little bit of time. I'm not saying like oh wait wait a little bit longer she'll be champion. Like I don't know about that, but you know will she be a lot better and a lot more ready for the different kinds of things that her division offers? Yeah, I think probably it's a, a um, little bit of patience transitioning.
1: Will pay off. She's transitioning out of the fighting soccer mom stage of her career still. So uh, yeah, I get I yeah. get what you're saying. Give it give it a little bit yeah. more time. And and then look, I'm part of the the sometimes maligned Bellator rankings uh journalistic team of those who have been chosen to vote. And remember uh uh <laughs> Lorenz Larkin came at me for that. Look, I'm not responsible for all the results of those uh votings, but just to defend not only me against him, and say he's still not in the welterweight rankings, Luke, so it's hard to vote for him because he's only had a middleweight fight in his comeback. But also, you know, some people have said, well, how the hell is Loretta ranked in that division? Well, you're only given a pool of, like, 13 names to rank from for the top 10 spots, Luke. So, you know, there are only so many in that weight division eligible for Bellator at the moment. So she's going to have a quick path to the top, Luke, if she can keep proving that she's legit. That's what
0: I'm going with. Fair enough. And then lastly, this is the one you found interesting. I did not. And I also find it interesting. I just did not hear it. Um, So why don't you do it? You heard, I think Tatiana Suarez spoke to ESPN's Ariel Helwani. What did she say in that interview that was of note?
1: Yeah, in Ariel framed the start of the interview as saying, look, everyone's asking him, when is Tatiana going to come back? So we reached out to her to find out. And one thing she said uh, look, if about her injury, it's not just the neck, which had been the long injury. She had mentioned she tried to come back too quick and broke her hand, had back issues, had all these little things pop up all over her body. So, Luke, she's certainly battling a lot, and, you know, the questions are obviously going to be out after such a long layoff, which is going to be two years by the time she comes back, of what can she still be. But I think the biggest breaking news that came out of it is not only that she's planning a fall return for the UFC, but that it'll be at flyweight and, and just, you know, full uh you know credit to Ariel getting I didn't listen to the whole interview I only heard the the beginning part so I didn't hear the part where she broke down why she's moving to fly weight but Luke she was like this dark horse straw weight contender who you know if she could ever get back with the wrestling and the size and the in the you know she got good striking you know we're always like man you know she might be the future of that division and that division's always loaded now moving up where it's not as hard of a weight cut and the path to the top is much shorter Maybe still, though, the the boss at the end of the video game, Valentina Shevchenko, is is, you know, is more difficult than you than you can throw at in any division for the most part. But I really like that idea, Luke, that if she could have a less stringent weight cut and still put forth that high cardio style and wrestle and be nasty, she could be a player right away if she can stay healthy at 125 in the UFC.
0: How much of what is the chance that she comes back for one fight and retires?
1: I mean that—that's a fear. The fear is that this is like a Kane Velasquez situation all over again. Look, that's the fear. Because sometimes yeah. the body just won't do what the what the heart and mind wants, and we've seen that in so many sports. It's—it's it's heartbreaking, Luke. It's heartbreaking.
0: It is. I guess we're going to see. I, I i think at 125, if, you know, uh, assuming she, you know, makes the weight healthy and it adds whatever weight she wants to to benefit her game, I think she could be a, absolutely a player. No, no doubt in my mind. Most. Of, I mean, am I wrong for saying this? I'd have to double check. Is 125 filled with more people who dropped from 135 or more people who moved up from 115?
1: It's a good question. I think it's more from the drop down to smaller bantam weights. That's what I think, Luke. Smaller. Have to double,
0: I'd have to double check, um, but it's something we're thinking about. Okay. But seriously,
1: but just seriously, just to look at you know, we sometimes you can forget when someone's not around for a while. Uh, Suarez's last three wins are Alexa Grasso by submission. A TKO of Carla Esparza and a decision over a very highly ranked at the time Nina Ansaroff. So, I mean, we're talking about when she's healthy. World class, Luke. Elite. Need to find out how great she can be. Hope she's still the same fighter.
0: They were calling her the female Habib before she got injured. So we'll see what happens. I uh, want everyone to know, by the way, including you, Brian Campbell, that the NBA playoffs are about to begin. Actually, they've started. Join the early, ed- well, sort of, the play has started. Join the Early Edge podcast every single day for the best bets, props, and futures for this year's postseason. Jonathan Coachman, you know him, Mike McClure and Larry Hartstein, Hartstein won't lead you astray as they bring the best bets to your feed every morning in 15 minutes or less. You can find the Early Edge podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and even live on YouTube.
1: I love the coach. Big fan.
0: Big fan of the coach. All right. Uh, Take it away, good sir. Time for where you annoy the fuck out of me.
1: So every Wednesday, here's what we do if you're new to these parts. Uh, There's questions Luke just doesn't want to answer. So on Wednesdays, we randomly make him do it. It's uh, good faith responses to decently faith questions, and it's called the wheel of death. Ask barf. All right, Luke, you get what you get. The people want this back, so as long as they want it, I'm not trying to force this on them. If they want it, they're getting it, Luke. Ten categories, you'll get five virtual spins of the wheel. And, you know, you get what you get at the end of the day, Luke. I don't know if it'll be a good segment. We'll see. Here are your ten categories. Endeavor After, Fear Weather pandemic, Peace Sells, but Luke's not buying, I'm Not Impressed <laughs> by Your Decision, Trevor Never Met Her. The Cosell of MMA, famous power bottoms. Oh, God, Dana White was never my friend. What's eating Gilbert Burns? And everyone's favorite one Canadian, two cups.
0: Bro, I gotta tell you, they put one Canadian by the way.
1: Well, I don't, I don't, I don't populate the wheel in terms of typing it in. Okay, that's our producers. All right, that's. Have a you much- ever seen
0: What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Yes, ooh, I have. I just a- kicked my camera. Sorry. Okay. Sorry there, uh, Manicha. I fucked my camera up, but it's okay. All right, let's roll this motherfucker, shall we? Yeah, let's spin this wheel. All right. God help me. Fair weather pandemic. Fair weather pandemic,
1: pandemic, Luke. Well, great timing for this one. Luke, I just wanted to remind you, okay, what the segment's all about, good faith responses to decently faith questions. With that said... You refused to entertain during Monday's show while lambasting Cowboys fans for a second time of the origin of your Real Madrid fandom along it's with explaining real. it's
0: not it's not real it's Real
1: uh, like I could care a shit about that while you were explaining why you were not a fair weather bandwagon jumper in becoming a super fan this question isn't about exploiting you Luke although I do find that amusing as much as it is about giving you a platform to explain yourself in a fair and judicious manner because I care about you as the brother I never had. So, Luke, what is the origin story behind your Real Madrid fandom?
0: Okay, do you know why it's called Real and why it's not real? Uh, No,
1: Luke, I don't. I don't. Because
0: they're not saying that the team's name is Real Madrid, like they're very Madrid. The team's name is Real, which is Spanish for Royal. It is Royal Madrid. did um, Tony
1: Kukoc play for Real Madrid before coming to the...
0: Yes, it's yeah. a lot. I don't know if he did exactly, but uh, Luka Doncic did. He was part of the team. It's a giant sports organization. The soccer team is merely one part of it. Um, okay, so I've answered this a million times, but people always find it somehow like they, they forgot what the answer is. So years and years ago, sometime in the early aughts, I have to go back and check the calendar, I think 2006... That right, something like that, 2007 maybe. I have to go back and check, but I took a impromptu out of nowhere. I got a. Um, do you do you ever sign up? The pandemic has changed things, but a, a before that, did you ever sign up for like uh, like kayak or Priceline or whatever airline alerts? Did no. you ever do that? No. All right, so I had signed up like just send me an alert anytime there is a fucking fire sale for trips to Europe anything i don't care if it's, shit, if it's croatia if it's whatever and i got one direct flight from dulles to uh madrid and and then uh barcelona back no 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 madrid back sorry so it was, it was round trip from the same airport 400 bucks in fact it was 400 after taxes it was like 320 or something i'll just I could pause not you, believe it
1: i'll pause you one third into this you have not convinced me yet that you're not a fair weather fan of real madrid keep going luke
0: I don't let me let me let me just sort of preface the ending of the story, whether or not the answer given is sufficient for your, shall we say, sanctioning or blessing is not a thing that I'm in any way interested in. Or blaspheming, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's like a Catholic priest or a Jewish rabbi being like, oh, you've not blessed or whatever the. The, the you know, baptized or whatever the ceremony that I have to go through in order for me to have some kind of credibility within these religious frameworks. I would look at them and say, I, I'm, I'm deeply uninterested in what you have to offer. But so it goes like this. So I flew over there and I, at the time I knew close to nothing about Spain. And I'll say this, I, in that trip, which was only about 10 days. I absolutely fell in love with the country. It is my favorite country to visit. I think everything about it is magisterial. The country is utterly beautiful. The places to go are out of a fairy tale. Um, you know, their version of Spanish is a little bit hard on my ears. Obviously, you know, I'm used to the Latin American version, but the food is insane. The culture is rich. You just I I was over I was I, I've, I've been to I've been to 40, 50 countries in my life. I've almost never felt that way about a place. I would move to Spain like that if I could keep my salary. It would, ne- it would be nothing to go for me to go over there. And in the course of going over there, I found my way to the Santiago Bernabeu. And uh, there was big Real Madrid matches at the time. I actually could not get into the stadium, but there's a ton of cafes and stuff right around. And this was the height of the Messi versus Ronaldo era. And I had no dog in the fight. I didn't know much, frankly, about either team or their history, whatever. And I was in this cafe and I was drinking with a bunch of Real Madrid fans and it was one of the most fun. They won the game. I forget who they played. But they, uh, it was just one of the most magical experiences I'd ever had at a traveler ever. And the answer is, is picking a team like Madrid or even Barcelona, they're roughly equivalent in that way, is that bandwagoning, is that like going, for the, going to the casino, BC, and rooting for the house? No doubt about it. It 100% is. But you have to understand something about European sports that American sports is not like that. American sports, and in particular the NFL, is very good about introducing various systems, whether it's the draft or the salary cap, to keep relative parity in the ranks. The Spaniards don't do that. The French don't do that. The Germans don't do that. The English basically don't do that either. They stack their leagues so that they have these legacy systems at the top and everyone else can eat shit. If you don't root for those teams at the top, so that would be PSG in France. That's That would be Bayern or um, uh, the Black and Go- uh, Gold, whose names I forget, uh, um, whoever. Uh, Dortmund. If you don't root for Dortmund or Bayern, you'll, you'll, your team will never win that league. If you don't cheer for Barcelona, Atletico, or Real, your team will never win the league. So I went with what the experience was as a traveler. It has been one of the most fun things I've ever done, not just that experience, but cheering for that team. I love everything about that country. I love everything about that team. And everyone else can lick my balls from the back and tell me what it tastes like. Cause I'm (laughs) never gonna change for any of you pukes.
1: So Luke, while I think that your story of travel and and entering into that sporting culture as an outsider and being one with it is refreshing and fun and awesome. And there, you know, I don't know, was the love of your life with you at the time? There may be a real romanticized connection here. That's great. Your joke about the the back of your balls was humorous, but that's that's still a bandwagon jumper. Look, I mean that's no yeah. different than than I don't know anything about American baseball, but I fly to New York and everyone's cheering for the Yankees. So,
0: you yeah, know but it's, that's but, what but mean, it's not. That, but, but here's the difference. I, mean, I just that's tried to America's explain this to team, you. American sport, dude. American sport. You don't watch European sports. You don't understand this. No, but look, dude, I understand don't...
1: the system, though. So it's it's like no, no, you're no, no, saying... no.
0: You don't, dude. You got you to understand something. If you're a French fan, maybe, maybe one of the other teams might win every once in a while. Same as in Italy, dude. Juventus has won like seven championships almost in a row. Okay, if Luke, you don't cheer. But
1: fandom is not fueled. Fandom should not. Fandom. Should not be fueled by success only. So you're telling me all the fans—it's not, it's not. Are, it's of not of I
0: could have chosen, I could have chosen Atletico, but I didn't, I didn't want right, to. Right, I mean, here's the you deal. Chose here's a real
1: winner. That I mean, that's look. I'm not, I don't care. But that's the yeah, definition. Yeah, I mean, again, again I, I, I
0: don't need, I don't need your validation as a fan to be a fan of Real Madrid. It's a global brand. I can do whatever I want. But I got to explain something to people. Look at the teams I root for, where you're supposed to have some character about it, where there is relative parity in the league. I only cheer for DC teams. I only cheer for DC United. I only cheer for the Wizards. I only cheer for the, well, the Washington football team. And I only cheer for the Caps. I don't ever root for anyone, win or lose outside. But dude, if you want to be a fan as an American of European soccer and you want to pick Fulham, have fun getting relegated your ass right, is never going to see a okay, fucking Okay, there's a lot of points that. I
1: don't like there. One, you're sounding a lot like Dana White where it's like just tell us the truth. You're going to lie to us just tell us the truth. Look, just tell well, us. What am I busy? What am I what not I telling you, you that say. is
0: obviously quite true?
1: Here's what I need you to say. Yes, I'm a bandwagon jumper of Real Madrid cuz I had a lot of fun watching them and they win all the time so I don't want to I don't want to root for somebody who's not going to be in contention, but still uh, that's the definition of being a bandwagon dripper. So just be honest and say that. and then, But the, I think you go too far, is you then talk trash to people of fans of other teams that they compete against. You've lost that ownership because of when you came out. Look, I come from a factory town which had rules in fandom. You can only be a fan of a team that's local. And if you have rules well, what does that have to do fan, with cheering on, for teams? Hold on. If if on you were hold a on. Hold on. BC.
0: BC when it comes to american sports when it How comes can I to american not no no no, 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 no. fuck you, you make me answer all these bullshit you know questions I mean? let me defend myself when it comes to american sports in leagues that build in parity Yeah, if you don't cheer for your local team, you're kind of a prick. I mean, there's some rules around that, but whatever. That's kind of how it's supposed to be. uh, As an American, trying to pick European teams, what should I have done? What should I have done, BC? Should I have picked sporting, hee and then you
1: can react to it? You know what I'm saying, Luke? What I was saying is, I come from a background that's very rooted in you have to have an excuse. If it's not a local team that's your team, it's got to be because your dad is from that city or something, right? I'm not saying people have to live by those rules, but that's a rooted system of who's bandwagon and not. Which in America so I that. do.
0: So what does this have to do number with cheering two, for a Spanish team? Two,
1: so should people never be a fan ever of Leicester City or whatever the hell they're called? Didn't they have some miracle <laughs> run to get back into contention it's, it's and then Lester. win the EPL championship? So you're t- basically saying don't root no, for them? No, know, you know do
0: you have listening comprehension issues? I mean, if, if you look, are from the UK, if you are from Spain, I expect you to cheer for what you. Uh, what is in your local community? And if that's Madrid, pick your team, whether it's Atletico or Real or whatever. If you're from Barcelona, Mesque Un Club, they don't even speak the fucking Spanish language. They like right. to speak Catalan. The point being is this. I mean, as you keep an Ameri- mad, but No, I can no, 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 no. My no, no, turn. No. My turn. You know? My turn. I, my can, turn. Get, I, I didn't finish my, my turn. statement,
1: Luke. My, my turn. My turn. My turn. My turn. My turn.
0: My turn. My turn. BC, you have not, in any capacity whatsoever, addressed by what system is an American who wants to be a fan of any European club, what is the system by which they should pick that? Because I by picked saying, an immersive experience honesty. of travel by which to make that call.
1: Just say, honesty, I back them. They're you, you didn't answer the, the question. So, you
0: didn't answer the question. If you so, are an American, what system should you pick any of the teams in the honesty. Premier League?
1: You should pick honesty. If you're going to back the winner, if I'm going to, if I don't give a shit about EPL, but if I'm like, you know what? I'm going to back Man U, because at least they're going to be in all the big games. I yeah. would
0: be honest about it. <laughs> you, well, you might be disappointed at the results you get more recently. I would re- be honest recently. about
1: it, Luke. Uh, all people want from you I don't.
0: Is, I don't deny that, I, listen, I don't in any way deny that I uh, partly fell in love with the team because of this grand stage that it's on. And the reason why it's on a grand stage is because the system is rigged for them to be in a grand stage in many, many ways. No denying it. But I went to a place, I fell in love with it. That was part of the experience. Y'all want me to apologize for this. In a league that is designed to set them up versus the NFL, which is not designed to set them up, not in nearly the same kind of way. I mean, this is a ridiculous fucking kind of trial okay, about could fandom make that, same that I am about easily meeting baseball, the challenge of.
1: I could make that same argument about Major League Baseball, which has a salary. No, you could. Dude, cap, you do have not understand
0: Spanish football. Okay. It is the okay. game is fucking rigged. It is not at day, all look, like Major League Baseball.
1: I don't care. At the end of the day, I am a conduit of the people. I'm a representative of the people on the show. You're not, your show. dude.
0: You're not. And You're three, so not. I mean,
1: my son wears Golden State Warriors gear all the time. He doesn't even watch games. I tell him he's a bandwagon jumper all the time. But I love him. <laughs> look, I love you. But this is I a love you too, situation.
0: BC. But everyone wants to regulate it because I'm not allowed to enjoy a fucking team no, they want from a formative from a formative moment in my life. They happen to win a lot. Do I enjoy that? Of course. But when it comes to the local teams, I'm good, dude. I have tickets to see the Philadelphia Union play DC United at Audi Field on Sunday. I got my daughter a fucking jersey. She doesn't even have a Real Madrid jersey. It's a personal thing from my travels to maybe the greatest country in the world outside of this one. People don't like it. Well, Mis pelotas están you came, aquí You
1: came hard at the Cowboys fans Luke, this is how this started Well all right? dude, you ta- you're
0: talking way. about a horrible owner Which DC has one who's probably worse You have a horrible owner, you have a horrible fan base Totally delusional You have a reprobate organization They will sign any fucking reprobate Off the street who can play football it Doesn't matter if they've beat up you know 50 people to get there And uh, they call themselves America's team when, they, when they're not Like fuck that team like, I'm not going to say nice things about them.
1: All right. Just be honest with the people, Luke. It works out I, well. I, I am
0: honest. It's my fandom. People don't have to like it. It comes from an experience I'm not going to apologize for. Y'all don't like it? Don't fucking like it. It's not going to stop me.
1: All right. So all of you out there, look the back of Luke's balls, apparently. Yes.
0: Si quieres chuparme, mis pelotas Wow.
1: Wow. This is great. Yeah. Tell, Tell. as our Munich just said, tell, tell them how it tastes, too, Luke.
0: I'm like Shaq. All right, Tell me Colby. how my ass tastes. All right, spin R-I-P, this thing. Colby. It's like twelve thirty. Fucking spin this thing. I gotta get out of here. I got a diarrhea. <laughs> I'm not impressed by your decision. So, look, right. this
1: is about your decision to not be honest about your fan. No, just kidding. Um, Luke. Uh, <laughs> Luke is just so people know Luke is ornery because of his medulla oblongata. Uh, I'm Luke not Oscar. Ornery. De, we referenced this earlier, but Oscar De La Hoya went public last week saying how UFC president Dana White blocked GSP, whose UFC contract was frozen upon his retirement from boxing in a Triller pay-per-view main event against Oscar, and in theory, although we don't know, getting millions and maybe more than he's ever made in a UFC fight. Journalists, including John Nash, went on to confirm that was true, and Dana, when asked Mm. about it last week, went on that anti-Triller rant, but he never really addressed the decision. So, Luke, two-part question here regarding GSP's current lot here number one on a scale of one to 100 what percentage do you honestly believe in your heart that gsp's role in the failed bjorn rebney fighters union played a part in dana's decision here to block gsp from getting some money
0: i hadn't even thought of that that is a great question wow
1: fair cowboy was also a part of that and he didn't suffer so just fair fair point okay
0: Uh, In fact, um, I I did a a couple of videos a few years ago, BC. There's no way you saw them, but um, I did them with this guy who is basically studying high-level math at American University and statistics, and he looked at some of the numbers and found that um, not because they got new contracts, like, you know, they, they didn't fight out their contracts and then do that press conference. They were in the middle of contracts. But Dillashaw and Cowboy got an unexplained pay raise between that, the fight before that press conference and then the fights after that came out of nowhere one wonders one doesn't know what the reason for that is but one can certainly wonder about um withdrawing their support for that to what extent did that have an impact on getting a little bit more pay using a scale of one to hundred what percentage do i believe man honestly if you had to ask me the thing i think most explains it is going to be that Dana doesn't want GSP to potentially look bad to a guy that not only has been disparaged by Dana White because, you know, Dana goes after Oscar pretty bad. But how old is Oscar? What, 47? Yes. I think that's right, something yes. like that? They don't want GSP, one of their all-time greats, to potentially get tuned up because you're asking me who I think would win. I think, obviously, Oscar would probably win, uh, assuming he was in shape. I think that's the biggest reason. But now that you bring this up, now you you stir in the pot a little bit. Ooh.
1: It's interesting. Uh, Second part, more important part of the question is this, Luke, because a lot of people are saying, how is this possible? Isn't this unfair? Here's a retired fighter. Uh, What could and or should be done legally moving forward to prevent UFC from having this much control over a fighter's future when he isn't even an active MMA fighter and was yeah. attempting to book a fight in a completely different sport. How right. does UFC have control over blocking this and what can be done or should be done to change that?
0: There should be sunset clauses. There should be sunset clauses. So um, obviously there's gonna be hard to figure out what exactly the term should be, but a, a contract like that uh, should expire after a certain amount of time. The UFC should have a certain amount of time in which to, bo- and, and any promoter, not just UFC, we should be clear about that, Bellator 2, uh, PFL too, they should have a certain amount of time to offer you a certain amount of fights. And, you know, there's rules in which they have to make sure that they're constantly offering, unless you retire, or whatever, right? They can't just not offer you fights. But that if a certain amount of time elapses, so does the contract It expires. Right now, there's just no real sunset clause. Like if you're two fights into a five-fight deal and you retire, those three exist in perpetuity. So you have to find a way to work through those three. You have to just take the fights. But if you're St. Pierre, do you want to take, you know, however many it is? And and you got to understand, the bigger you are, like a St. Pierre or a Silva or whoever, they'll be like, here's a seven-fight deal, an eight-fight deal. I remember you know Silva used to brag, like, I'm going to sign a 10-fight deal at age 40, whatever it was. And you'd be like, why are they doing that? They're doing that in part so that they didn't have to offer him anything else. Um, or, sorry, excuse me, they could lock him up, sorry, for a long time. Now, he fought through all of it to get to this point which is why he's gonna have that sad little thing with Julio Cesar Chavez but the answer is a fighter shouldn't have to go through all of those a promoter has to have a little bit of handcuffs a little bit a little bit with timing but to answer your question the first one dude I'm gonna say 75 they didn't want Oscar to tune him up 25 let's stick it to him for the Bjorn thing
1: I may well maybe 10 too that he left the middleweight title there after telling Daniel, yeah. wouldn't he? Right, he said. Too. He was so, so DSP is not completely innocent here. I get it. At the end of the day, all right, let's spin it again. We got to get through this because you probably have to crap your pants or something.
0: This is the third one still. Jesus, it's
1: probably it's the best show. or worst wheel ever. We'll
0: see. Trevor never, never meta.
1: Luke, with respect to the great Eugene Berriman there's no other way to say it. Trevor Whitman is the resident. Hot MMA trainer of the moment with the most, quote, it factor, unquote, of developing the reputation for maximizing the talent of any fighter who he works with. Recent returns from uh, Justin Gaethje before the loss, Rosnami Yunus, and Kamaru Usman explain that perfectly. But each big-name coach eventually develops that same reputation for what they bring in boxing Everybody knows that if you go with Freddie Roach at a certain point in your career, it typically is done to increase your pressure and your firepower because Roach's reputation is as an offensive coach. Given Whitman's current reputation and success rate in the UFC, which established elite or semi-elite UFC fighter in your eyes could most benefit from leaving the current team and switching to Trevor Whitman?
0: If he had done it years ago... Uh I honestly would have said Tony Ferguson. I don't think I don't think now that's necessarily gonna pay the dividends given the given the advanced age, relatively speaking. Um Justin Gaethje obviously was a great candidate for it. you saw what he did. But um I would say honestly, Habib. You know, he would never leave his father but to compliment him right. in the way that he could, you know, just to well, add good your pretty good. jabbing
1: Let's give Javier Mendez some credit. I mean, Habib figured his, his strike. Well, I
0: mean, out. but you, you, it's not one or the other. Like I said this on my, on the post fight show, BC, BC, which was, dude, Kumaru Usman under the tutelage of Henry Hooft became a UFC champion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't take that away from Henry no matter what Trevor does with him. He became a champion with that guy. It's just that he was able to maintain the lead on the pack by switching things up once he had reached that advanced stage. He got to the black belt, so to speak and now he wants to do other things once he's in, into that space so like yes javier mendez dude yeah maybe may, may, arguably the best fighter ever under habib but you're asking who could benefit the most not sure. that he would need it necessarily to win but like how transformative could a guy like that be if he got in early enough on the ground floor working with the striking like however deadly he is with his wrestling it'd be even more of that uh and you people are talking about like oh what would a habib versus a um charles Oliveira fight be well a Habib that would have, you know, several years in the bag with a guy like Trevor, you know, that would be a much different fight than it would be without it, I, I frankly think. So, um, yes, credit to all those trainers. They're amazing. Javier Mendez's record as a competitor and a trainer is almost as good as it gets, but that doesn't mean that even those guys can't benefit from a little bit of uh, another perspective.
1: I put the reputation thing in there because I think it's important. I think, you know, the, the reputation right now, at least as casually as I can understand it, is is Whitman could take what you're good at and, and, and expand it and make it, you know, so like, what could he do with a Darren Till, Luke? Could he, could he fill in those holes?
0: Ooh, see, that's interesting. I wonder if that problem's a little bit more comprehensive. Right. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, of course he could benefit. He, there's no denying, no denying he could benefit from it. You know who could benefit from it too? Like Neil Magney, I think a guy who could just, if he could really learn to uh, uh, the footwork and the jabbing, I think sometimes he invites the fight into ranges or scenarios where Magny's super well-rounded, but he's got certain strengths that I think could be built upon that haven't necessarily been. Uh, again, with Mark Montoya, he's turned into a phenomenal talent. Make no mistake about it. But you're at, talking about the very specific things that Trevor Whitman could give him. Yeah, I think he... Dude, the jab and, and working with the jab, it's just critically important. Look what it does to people. And I don't feel like Magny, who's got a super... a uh, John Jones is another one. Dude, John Jones, I think... He's done phenomenally well under Brandon Gibson. But what could Trevor provide? Some cool shit, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a very interesting thing to think about. And and eventually, trainers become overrated because they get too many clients and they can't fix everyone, you know. But right now, Whitman's that guy. All right, two more spins. Here we go. Spin. Hit it, Manichi. <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. Hey, Luke, during a morning combat interview with the Zone's Todd Grisham two weeks ago, him and I talked about the art form of calling fights and how a great announcer, and you and I have both said that Todd is good at this, needs to rise to the occasion of the moment in front of them. And uh, to provide the proper soundtrack to a knockout, to an upset, whatever it is. Grish, for example, Luke, I think he called the shit out of Justin Gaethje, Michael Johnson, when he yelled, Justin gets his ultimate highlight. We love that call. Even though Sakuraba, it is what it is, Grish didn't, didn't stay there. With that in mind, Luke, what do you believe right now are the three most iconic announcer calls in MMA broadcasting history?
0: Okay, the first one that comes to mind is going to be Morrow um, saying, uh, Kevin Randleman has knocked out Mirko Krokop. That's one. Two, I'm sorry, it's infamous, but it I think it counts. Uh, Gus Johnson saying, these things happen in MMA. <laughs> At the Strike Force.
1: Are, we, are you referring brawl? to the to the Seth Petrozelli fight where he called it the biggest upset in MMA history, Look,
0: No, no, and no, no. I'm talking about I'm talking about when Gus Johnson was watching the Strike Force Nashville brawl yeah. with Nick Diaz and Jake Shields and all those guys. We're on live TV, Mayhem gentlemen. Miller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one. yeah on yeah. CBS. That was that was uh that one stood the test of time. Um, the third one's a little bit harder. Um God, there's a lot of Rogan moments that kind of stand out. The problem um, with
1: Rogan is that, he his for the most part, his go-to call is unbelievable, or it was during the Goldberg era of his career. So, like, there's a million great moments that have Joe yelling unbelievable, right?
0: I, I would say, I don't know if this stands the test of time, but one of the ones that just stands out in my mind was when, I, and I think this is right. Tell me if I got it wrong. Didn't John Annix say when... Jorge Masvidal knocked out Ben Askren. One of the greatest knockouts you'll ever see. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, that's up there. That's up there too.
1: I was going to throw in uh, DC's Thug Rose yell after she uh, knocked out uh, Rose Namajunas. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. knocked out Joanna. Jo- and also, um, don't discount Joe Rogan's slept him call after Connor got Aldo.
0: Oh yes, that's a good one. I forgot about that one. Man, there's some other ones too. You guys don't remember when. Uh... <laughs> Mike Kogan who's who is uh now he's a good dude but um he's like he's kind of like a Bellator's like now new matchmaker. That's not quite true but he's probably their lead matchmaker. They have like a team of matchmakers now as I understand it. Uh he did a call on Pride. I wouldn't call it iconic. Maybe it was Pride, maybe it was like Dream, I don't remember. But, you know, he had some how do I put this? colorful commentary. You guys don't remember when uh, Phil Baroni. Used to do commentary for UFC. He did some for Pride. He called one of his opponents pork fried rice. That was that was an infamous moment. Um, yeah, there's been some crazy ones before the, the tough generation really got here. But I think those are the ones that stand out in my I'm mind. I'm sure
1: the people will let us know in our dead wrong what we missed. I look yes, forward to I'm that. I'm sure that we fucked up Friday. something, yeah. All right, final spin. You get what you get. Here we go.
0: That's my rear end, BC. All right. Dana White was never my friend. That's a fair statement.
1: Apparently until right now. Luke, imagine you woke up today in an alternate MMA universe. Here's what happened overnight since you went to bed. Motivated after going public with their UFC parent company, Endeavor, CEOs Ari Emanuel and Patrick Whitesell decide they want not only their relationship with the public, but that of their employees in the UFC to dramatically change. So under a new company-wide Endeavor campaign called going public so you can become a man of one, Endeavor encourages even UFC president Dana White to make a change in the way the public views him. It's decided that acting more friendly toward the media would be a fairly ingenious, subversive way of building public trust with Dana White in order to help stock prices soar. The pitch to Dana is weird, but not unrealistic, Luke. Like the great MTV rock and jock basketball games of old, UFC will create an all-star annual weekend-type night inside of T-Mobile Arena every year on the night before the International Fight Week pay-per-view. The center point of the all-star weekend, which would air on ESPN+, Plus, is pairing white and UFC employees and a handful of prominent fighters in a full-court basketball game against the MMA media with all proceeds going to charity given your frosty relationship with the promotion historically white insists that you Luke Thomas be chosen as the coach of the all media team and the GM which includes you choosing a roster so here are the five players plus two bench players that you'll be playing against in this mythical game at T-Mobile Arena Dana White Paul Felder Max Holloway, Dominic Reyes, Amanda Nunes, Sean Shelby, and John Anik. Your job, using the traditional five positions in basketball plus two subs, is to draft a seven-man team that could beat that team and score one for media in the great war against Dana White.
0: Hmm. All right. I would – Jesus. Jesus. Lord. I mean, they I got guess I'm drafting. They I'm got... drafting you, like what? Power forward.
1: I'll play the like, four on this team. Let's do it.
0: All right. So there's you. I, I'll, I'll get the two subs in a second. Uh, I guess I'll play on this team. I could be the other power. I could be a well. Could you be small forward? I could do power forward because I got an idea for center.
1: I mean, I don't have a jump shot, but I can post up, Luke, okay? I'll, yeah, I'll The be game's
0: changed. It's all, we, just, we just shoot. Listen, we'll just shoot threes off screens, okay? Yeah, I'm a great passer.
1: But, you know, so just real quick, we got athletes on the other team, but I don't think there's a ton of basketball players. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, there's not. But you know what? We have an ace up our sleeve. Uh, he was a basketball player in college. He's actually tall and very athletic. Uh, Will Harris, the guy from Anatomy of a Fighter, he actually played college ball.
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah. Okay. He's we'll our
0: center because he could be like our Shaq. He could be our big man. He could like – maybe more like Anthony Davis. You know, who doesn't play center, I understand, but like imagine he could kind of slowly transition to that role and like he could dish to the three. So that's us. We need some smaller, more mobile players. We need
1: athletic people. Is Sean L. Shoddy a <laughs> well, game? Well
0: so – who? Sean L. Shoddy, does he have a game? Oh, you know what? He might. He's a big, he's a big hoops guy. All right, we could make him – We could make him uh, some kind of a guard. Um, Who's another? Does Okamoto play ball? Yes, he does. He
1: does. He plays in a a league in Las Vegas with UFC employees on his team. All
0: right, that's a little weird. But uh, all right, we'll put Okamoto on the squad. And we need two subs, right? Yeah,
1: well, we need a point guard, too. And we need two subs.
0: Oh, fuck. We need a point guard. So couldn't. Wait, hold on will harris me you uh Brett okamoto the uh, who's the other g- guard that i mentioned
1: oh sean l Shottie's on our team so
0: that's five that's five okay. okay uh i need two more right yeah so subs Jeez think about it, there's somebody
1: we're not thinking of who's probably a dead eye shooter like can danny segura hit the three you think uh
0: no uh, I no mean, if we were playing soccer i would absolutely <laughs> pick him first but no he plays on soccer teams he does I know, because he's Latin. that You thought out that's what I was saying, no, but I'm actually I not don't, saying that.
1: Luke, I, I'm not, I don't think like that. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm
0: sure you don't. Ryzen. Oh, uh, um, so not
1: fair. So not
0: fair. <laughs> I mean, you karate chop the air. What are you doing? All right. I was um, ripping I, you.
1: I was ripping you, not them. They oh, you
0: know that. what? I'm gonna put. I'm gonna, guys. We, uh, dude. We got except for Will. We'd have like an all-white basketball team. Just the fucking worst. Um, Jesus, fuck. I don't even know who we could put in there. Chuck Mindenhall, I guess.
1: No, I, do you think Chuck's got game? I don't I,
0: know. I think off the bench, he could provide valuable minutes. That's what <laughs> I think. Okay. okay. Um, and then last but not least, oh, we don't have any women. Fuck. Um, gotta have one if they have one. I think that's only fair. Oh, you know what? She's an athlete. Af- oh, she's not quite in my media. Um, I'll go, Jesus, is there any
1: I think Dom Reyes is gonna be a problem for us matchup defense wise hopefully that yeah would he, guy he would so. that
0: would be we have to, we have to we have to double team him for sure okay. and we'll probably still get run over I'll go with um I'll go with uh oh Jesus, is there a woman we could pick who uh, oh, you know what? <laughs>
1: Hey, how about the Schmo? He could be a wild card. He might have game, bro. Yeah, but would it be
0: fair if they had a woman on the roster and we didn't have one?
1: Why don't we get Schmo and Yee as our bench
0: players? Helen. All right. All right. The two. Yeah, that's a deal. All right. There you go. I can work with that.
1: got chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You never know if one can pick up the other one. There's like an injury, whatever. Yeah, all right. All right. That's a deal. That's a tandem. I, there you go. I think There's my team. We're going to
1: housed, by the way. I think. We're yeah, get we housed, get fucked but, up. What are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, there it is. Thank you. That's the shit this week. We almost lost Luke. Wow, what a risky segment, Luke. What a risky idea this
0: week. Hey, listen, you got you got to you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Basically. All right. Hey, let's go into the fan subs. Uh,
1: Morningcombat at gmail.com is your weekly email address to send in your shit, and we show it to you. So we've got mail. Here we go. Uh, Mike N. has two of them. So, Luke, greetings, Luke and BC. Been watching and listening since episode one. I live in SoCal, so you can guess my daily commute sucks. However, listening to MK on the drive makes it suck way less three days of the week. I've gotten a few of my friends to follow and subscribe to your show as a prerequisite. I always make new viewers start with episode 12 before jumping to current in order to learn the origin of tip to tip. Wow. As well as Luke's first explanation of making someone testify. He calls this the MK lexicon. For my fan submission, I've included a picture of me repping MK gear version 1.0 with my wife and two-year-old daughter at my wife's alma mater, UC San Diego.
0: Yeah, speaking of things that are old and outdated, nice cargo shorts.
1: I like that, I like that. So shout out to Mike N for repping our merch. Luke, he's got a beautiful family. I lo- I, I'm love. i big fans of these these folks, all right?
0: Hey, you know what? I don't have any cargo shorts. I only gave them up because my wife made me, but I did love them when I had them. I they the... were very functional. Did you
1: have the ones that were pants and you zipper them off? Those were a little lame, a little bit lame.
0: No, no, no. I didn't. I had the regular Eddie Bauer joints or whatever. Okay. But
1: yeah. uh, Mike N has a second post. He says, at my own risk, I've also included a picture of my new tattoo for Luke to critique. For this ink, I pay tribute to the two most important people in my life. No, I'm not talking about you, donks. Those who, though, who's to say you guys don't eventually make it onto this wall of shame before it's all said and done. My wife's name is Jeanette and my daughter's name is Summer. So to not have to go back to get ink twice, I opted for a two in one. So, Luke, from one direction, it says Jeanette. And from the opposite direction, it says Summer. Is this ingenious ink? Uh,
0: Method Man has a tattoo like this. If you go like this, it says life. If he turns it upside down, it says death. Wow, Um, you can you can see some stuff like that. Yeah, I was gonna say the reason why you saw me going like this is because the script is a little hard to read. Um, Shading's not great, if I can be honest with you. But But the intent,
1: uh, the 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 Mister Heboss, the intent is
0: love, Luke. The intent is key. But if you notice the last letter at the letter at the top of his arm. It doesn't it's not lined up with any of the other ones it kind well, that of could leans just be his, over
1: his pimply and pasty skin but luke he looks like he knows be. where the gym is though so let's give mike some credit
0: hey listen listen you know uh he's mostly doing life right i'll put it that way
1: all right thank you mike for for patronizing us and it allows us to patronize you uh at l heffy not jeffy he says bc may have lost the bet about full indoor events by a few months but had to make sure MK was still represented at the largest indoor combat sports event in U.S. history. Two plus weeks after our second vaccination shots, we were super spreading the gospel of MK. Matchroom (laughs) put on a great show, but Jerry World had a piss poor performance. People waiting over an hour for concessions. They ran out of beer and several other items. No wonder half dead Jerry can't say zone. Luke, uh, they went to the Canelo fight in MK gear. I love it.
0: Bro, this is why you got to bring a vape pen and a flask to all yeah. sports games.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, a very beautiful missus right there for El Heffy, not Jeffy. And he's wearing our merch, so the guy's winning, Luke.
0: She's Her face is uh, pinker than yours.
1: <laughs> Please, no Country Time Lemonade jokes. Thank you, sir, for your service to MK and for attending that event and spreading our gospel. All right. That's right. Arthur C. says, what's up, Luke and BC, BBC. Here I am with my merch 1.0 on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. I was inspired by Bill and Jen's RV adventures to bring my own MK shirt on the road with me during my travels, and I'll continue to do so. Thank you again for your dedication, knowledge, and enthusiasm. This rocket ship is going to the moon. May all of your big booty Latinas be loyal. Two words, we out. Arthur from Los Angeles. Look, this is perfect. This is a perfect fan submission.
0: Have you been to Bourbon Street?
1: I have for, for WrestleMania a few years ago. I spent the whole week there, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's a fun time, man. Bourbon it's, Street it, is as advertised.
1: <laughs> Luke, I, I had a lot of work to do that week, so I was in back in my hotel room by like eight o'clock, nine o'clock each night, which I know sounds lame, but even in that time restraint, I saw some wacky shit. Luke, that's a, that's uh, a wild area, all right. Dude,
0: okay, here's here's a true story. On Bourbon Street I had a horse bite my hand. That fucking hurt by the way. Those motherfuckers can chomp um so i had that i saw i I think i've told a story before they were trying to get this girl to flash who was really drunk and she didn't want to do it so they threw beads at her anyway and they didn't mean to but it hit her in the face and then she got irate but she had just tipped over the point where she was no longer in control of her faculties so she tries to throw the beads back misses and then ends up rolling into the gutter and because she falls over and the gutter is filled with manure and piss oh, and everything you know God. just the worst and she gets up and then is still trying to throw beads but like her clothes are starting to tear her shoes are off her friends are trying to gather her that was a bad scene and then i saw a guy get tased because he resisted arrest and then thrown in the back of a, a literal paddy wagon they fucking uh, and then <laughs> chucked him in there <laughs> and he, to his credit that fucker fought the whole time it was broad daylight but they got him in you know what i'm saying like it was it was a show so yeah, yeah i've had some a, fun times though. and i saw an the saddest show. strippers at larry flint's hustler club oh, oh don't go in there when it's daylight bro that's uh oh. you get that's a nah, sad scene you, up in that when itch. the
1: buffet is free you don't want to be there Yeah. So shout out to arthur from la for repping us i appreciate that clayton says hey bc i'm a p1 mk guy my fiance Brittany has an epiphany that her and Luke are wearing the same glasses. She's salty as hell too, just like him. Keep up the art, hey Luke. Clayton's fiance Brittany, is that the same frames you're rocking there?
0: Maybe these are. Uh, where did I get these? I got these at the eye. Uh, this is at they're the made Unisex by Columbia, store? but like the like the people who make the jackets. C O L U M B I A. Here, I don't know if you can see that or not, but. I can't tell if phrase. those
1: glasses are hot because Brittany wears them or if they're unisex and lame because you wear yeah, them. you can't see.
0: Yeah, no, they're probably fucking lame, but if she wears them, they're probably not that lame. Okay,
1: all right. Thank you, Clayton, for sliding in there. Uh, at Alpha, Alpha Lurker, is this Art B. Campbell? This meme is shitposted in good faith. That day one ish MK viewer here got plenty of laughs from the show. Much love from Australia. Luke, <laughs> when they zoom in, you got to read this. This is brilliant stuff here from Alpha Lurker.
0: The IQ bell curve, Bella spelled wrong, uh, of morning combat viewers. Okay. <laughs> Luke Thomas is a lefty asshole. Haha. Brian, fun E. Uh, okay, so then it gets over to the now crying faced meme. Brian just goes too far. I think he is racist. Luke is insightful, intelligent. Intel, no, Intel, Gentent, and Analytical, all spelled wrong. And then it goes back to Luke Thomas is a lefty asshole, though paired with BC can be funny yeah that's more like a life cycle than a bell curve but that
1: is the exact life by the way it says brain instead of brian i think he was intentionally trying to misspell everything oh I see I see, I see I see, okay but luke that is the life cycle of i'm here for this show because i love luke man this asshole that he's this casual asshole that he sits with why do they do this show then you know four months later i can't believe i'm saying this but you know bc's won me over and then yeah. you know Six months after that, God, I hate Luke Thomas. BC's the only reason why I'm still here. I guess it's inevitable, Luke, all right? Uh,
0: yeah, you overstate how much you're adored, but it's okay. I, I'll, I'll let you just live under these delusions. All right,
1: Ben S. has a meme. He says, Luke and BC debating Canelo versus Saunders.
0: Okay, that's fine. Okay,
1: that's fair. That's fair. All right, I'm good with that. Uh, Let's keep it rolling here. C.A. jumps in. He says, nothing like a technical difficulty rant from Luke.
0: I can't see the mysteries that cannot be solved. Interior of a black hole, anything divided by zero. I still can't read the bottom.
1: It says uh, Luke Thomas's audio issues.
0: Oh, (laughs) dark matter. Yeah, yeah, they seem to be persistent. Don't don't they, B.C.? (laughs) persistent are, little buggers. they won't
1: leave you luke uh basil k we have a viewer named basil wow this is luke when bc talks about being sent to hell from josh thompson
0: <laughs> damn dude spongebob got hit up bad lord wow
1: wow yeah I this is how don't...
0: we look uh every time we go to jersey city on our last day that is
1: 100 percent true yes it is uh yeah no well said basil by the way look we have fans in india they dm me. i mean we, we we hit all nations right you yeah. you have covered cutter for us but we have hit all nations yeah, uh, i don't this... really
0: cover i don't really cover that base for you but uh yeah, you do well... keep saying that that is a um, thing that you do
1: hey alex is here he says some people have strong opinions about bc i don't know if this is better than country time pink lemonade but i found it pretty funny <laughs> The comment from uh, Matt Skelon on YouTube is: "This dude legit looks like a jar of mayonnaise. Somehow evolved to be human. I mean, it's not wrong, Luke. It's it's rude, but it's yeah. not wrong. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know what? God, 2.2k likes. Jesus Christ. Wow, wow, wow. Well done. People man. really responded to that one, BC. I have to tell you."
1: Uh, Kevin L. says, here's a pic of B.C. wearing the very masculine colors of white, gold, and black <laughs> while using <laughs> while using the phone that uh, sports the same masculine colors. By the way, my friend's mom also owns the same Kate Spade phone case. If we could zoom in one more time, each on this, please, so that the people can see.
0: You know what, B.C., that, I was thinking about this. I've seen all very- these places do it. How hard is it to get... Hold on, how hard is it to get a MK-branded phone cover? That I can't think they should hard, add right?
1: that to Merch 2.0, and it would sell like, like H-cakes, Luke. All I'm saying, though, is I got this for, like, 79% off, and it's pretty masculine. I mean, gold is a – When you see a male UFC fighter wear the championship shorts befitting a champion, they're black with white and gold stripes. So thank you very much. Yeah, but
0: right? they don't do it with, like, stuff you're like, oh, that'd go well with a clutch. You do
1: that. (laughs) I mean, that might be fair. All right, Fernando C. is here. He says, BBC on the fourth day of his drunken binge, void of all BDE after having chosen two girls one cup over navel to navel with Luke.
0: Factory tough.
1: (laughs) This is a drawing of me, apparently, from a man who owns one of our MK mugs. Um, The
0: only thing about this that's kind of authentic is uh, the terrible beard. But also, oh, this wow. is you after you gave yourself a haircut.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, I've, I've said that publicly. My wife made me agree that no longer will I do that, Luke.
0: So. Oh, that's right. You did say that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Sorry. All
1: right. Hey, we got one more from Jonah Heat World. And he says, live from the fruit capital of the world, the flute, the fruit fly capital, excuse me. Um, so, Luke, he has zoomed in from you on the uh, Bellator Morning Combat set, and he actually has found... Is that a tip-to-tip fruit fly?
0: This joke could have been so good, and he botched it with an unrecognizable punchline. Because it's almost like, the remember when the fly landed on Mike Pence's head in those presidential debates, and everyone was like, well, he's trying to do that bit here, uh, but I don't even know what the fuck I'm looking at.
1: Uh, Could it be too, I don't know, Luke, I don't know. God bless you, but I don't know. Thank All you, right, well, that's Jonah. a
0: terrible way to end a long show.
1: It's actually, is it Jonah Eat World? And I said heat? Jonah with a Yeah,
0: face. you Jonah did. Eat you said, jo- although, you know what? Jonah Heat World would be a good place for, like, a hot sauce store.
1: That's a fair point. Him and Dustin could get together. All right, Luke, we've been here way too long. We almost ruined our friendship over something stupid, so I'm done. It's okay.
0: We, we haven't. People need to understand, you and I can yell at each other and debate and scream, and yet we're still, you know, it's, that's part of the show.
1: It okay. reminds me of That's my right. actual marriage, not alone, yeah, not exactly. just my editorial marriage.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. So folks should just get used to it. like, you, Do you want a show where everyone agrees all the time, do you? I definitely don't. Okay, uh, let's remind folks. If you'd like to try Showtime, you can. You can go to Showtime.com. You can get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, if it's not for you, you can go do something else with your life. Um, so that's something you can do. We have tons of content up on the channel. Interviews with Valerie Lareda, interviews with Cyborg Santos, interview, Justino, I should say. Interviews with uh, all kinds of folks. And, of course, YouTube.com slash Morning is the place to get that. You can see all the stuff there for all of social, for Twitter, Instagram, blah, 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 blah there. Remember, don't forget to email the show for dead wrong. I'm sure we've gotten a thousand things of those wrong. You go to morningcombat at gmail.com. Let us know what we got wrong. Please be sure to properly title the, the emails we appreciate that. We have a show on Friday, BC and I. Uh, live chat tomorrow at 3 BC. We should also tell folks we're going to be doing the weigh ins tomorrow, remotely anyway, but we're we'll doing the weigh ins tomorrow for Bellator 259. And there'll be a video on the MK channel, so be on the lookout for that as well. Anything I miss?
1: No, you nailed it, Luke. All right, I'm done, though. I'm, I'm, I'm right.
0: done. All right, long show. Thanks to everyone who watched. Thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe for Malka, for Showtime, for CBS Sports uh until next time that's Brian Campbell I'm Luke Thomas may all of dim gains be loyal